This is Jane Smith reporting for WASP News. We report so you don't have to decide. Now, we're live outside of Sovereign Studios, where a protest has been taking place. Uh, sir, sir, what is going on here? We're going to put an end to his godless hedonism. He's corrupting the entire planet. Uh, you must be talking about the golden stallion of the tech world, Brian Sovereign. That's right. That sex fiend of an anarchist has crossed the line. We're going to rip his triple black clothing and then him to shreds. But Brian Sovereign believes in nonviolence. We don't care. He wants to end government and wants to pervert science and technology to do it. Brian Sovereign has to be stopped. This just in. Brian Sovereign is coming out of the studio. action in the tech world today is here for you baby it is whoo, the golden stallion the man of tomorrow savzu the rated r radio star brian sovereign here for you baby and it is time for that sovereign tech and welcome once again to a lot of the new listeners that have just come on board a lot of you have been tweeting at me and saying wow talk about fast-paced stuff talk you know all this great information that you're just laying out inside of two hours i am so honored thank you for that so as queens would say Whoo, welcome to the show baby <laughs> uh now we have a lot to get into this week. Actually, you know what? We don't have a whole ton of stories, but there's a lot of things I want to talk about. Maybe some abstract notions here and there that I want to get into. Uh, but before I get into any of that, I got to tell you, I've been reading this book. This is not any kind of paid promotion or sponsor or anything. Not that I'd mind if it was. Um, but I've been reading this book. Uh, now, I am a, I describe myself as a armchair cryptographer. And um, I got a uh, early access edition of a book uh, by uh, Jean-Philippe Amazon. I think I got that right. And impressively, I don't think English is his uh, first language, but he's uh, like most Europeans that bother to learn English. Uh, and I mean, I don't mean that as any kind of insult, because actually they, they learn it better than, than most Americans <laughs> you know, figure it out, uh, put it together anyway. Um, certainly that's very true in Germany if you ever go to Berlin, which, uh, man, I am due. I'm overdue for a trip to Berlin again. But anyway, uh, yeah, so John Felipe, he wrote this fantastic book. It's not, I haven't, I'm, in fact, I'm kind of, 
I really would love to get the last two chapters because the last chapter on it is quantum is about quantum uh, cryptography. But uh, and I'm curious what conclusions he comes to. I have my own that I've talked about over the years on Sovereign Tech. But uh, his book is called Serious Cryptography. And this is if you uh, perhaps also want to be something remotely like an armchair cryptographer or dilettante in the art of cryptography. And it is a fine art. Uh, I got to tell you, this book is amazing. This is I you know, I don't I don't know if it's going to like become the new standard, like if it's going to take out, you know, applied cryptography, which is kind of the I mean, just the classic text. Um, but it's pretty damn good. Uh, serious cryptography is just a phenomenal and, and it covers a lot more modern stuff. And this is I mean, this is no small task. I mean, you know, let's let's understand this. So when Bruce Schneier, uh, you know, which is one of one of the best cryptographic uh, minds, can we say that? <laughs> anyway, I mean, he's just out there, you know, along with the, the, the likes of Matthew Green, Steve Gibson and others. Uh, you know, when he wrote applied cryptography back, was that like 93 or 94? Uh, you know, he, he actually if you read more modern editions of that, he explains right in the introduction to the book, he said, really, this kind of book could never be done again. He, you know, because cryptography has just like that whole field has just opened up uh, in, in such a broad fashion uh, that, you know, like there's no way you could have it all in one book. But serious cryptography, Jean does a, does a pretty good job of, of making that happen. And yeah, I, I think it's fantastic. So there's a little link in the show notes if you look under the uh, the foreplay, which is part of the show where we just talk about the little things happening in tech, even though this book is anything but little. I'll have a physical copy. It was supposed to come out in October 2017, um, but I think they pushed it back to November for whatever reasons. And certainly this is something you want to make sure you're fucking getting right, you know, because these kinds of texts, these kinds of tomes, uh, you know, come nearly once in a lifetime uh, that, yeah, I don't mind that it's a little delayed and that, uh, you know, I'm waiting on it, but I'll be getting the full ebook and, and I have a, I'll have a physical copy um, of the book as well uh, available. So anyway, uh, but you can, you can get your copy from it in no starch press. Uh, it's not like any, you know, it, it's, it's not some kind of link where I'm going to get some kind of cut from it or anything. I'm just telling you about this book straight up that I've been, I was very impressed with it, uh, with what's it, you know, what's inside of it and, and just the, the, the content and the way, the way that it's broken down perhaps even better than I can do. I have, and I mean, and look, I'm not boasting just a lot of people tell me that I actually make a lot of tech subjects, uh, especially when it comes to security and cryptography and things like this, I, I break them down to, to a very simple understanding. Um, I don't think I'm that good, but people tell me I am. So whatever, I think that, that Jean does a fantastic job. I mean, of, of making it, of, of having it all make sense, uh, to people. So I heartily recommend this book. If you, you know, if you're looking for a read, um, I imagine, admittedly, it may come out in like a humble bundle because whenever they do like a hacking and security humble humble book bundle at humblebundle.com, you know, they usually include all the great texts. And this is certainly going to end up being one of them. But, uh, I, you know, just wanted to put it on your radar. I've been reading it and I am nothing but impressed uh, with with how this is uh, has come together. And I'm not even reading. I'm not even reading its final form. So uh, serious cryptography by Jean-Philippe Amazon. Uh, and I. I yeah, can't recommend it enough. Uh, even in its early stages, I can't recommend it enough. And I, I didn't have anything in it that I really argued with, you know, uh, because I mean, it's not like it's not necessarily telling you how to do privacy and all that. I mean, if you want to do that sort of thing, well, just so happens <laughs> uh, how fortuitous just so happens. I have a book that you can read uh, about how to how to you know get privacy. Uh, and that's the dark. And if you have an Android phone anyway, even though a lot of the information within it can apply to just about any device that 
that you have, iOS or even a, a PC. Um, but it's uh, Dark Android, the 2017 edition, your no-nonsense guide to uh, uh, you know securing your device and reclaiming your privacy. That's the name of the book. And you can just go to darkandroid.info if you want to get your hands on that. And my book only costs two bucks as to where Jean's book costs like 50. So... <laughs> But, but I, I would not compare my book to his in any way, shape or form. I mean, he, he's just done. Uh, I mean, real yeoman's work here. It's, it's remarkable. So anyway, uh, whoo, let's uh, let's start getting into, you know, a company that really doesn't give two shits about cryptography, that being Facebook. Uh, no, no, actually, they seem to give a, a big care about cryptography uh, and they implement it in just about everything. But I think that that's not uh, for advantageous reasons for the average user or the individual i think it's because it's a honeypot and a malicious one at that to to you know give you the illusion of security but really they're collecting all the different you know well we talked about it was either last week's episode episode 248 uh, or it was 247 maybe where we were talking about we, we read that story about how facebook was more or less accidentally we'll put it that way uh outing uh, sex workers their their real identities you know and and it was based upon the fact that there are some odd 100 signals that Facebook uses to connect you with other people. And of course, we don't know what all of those 100 signals uh, are. But if they have some out 100 signals, yeah, I don't care if you're using Tor or if you're, you know, uh, communicating with PGP, you know, and, and whatever, you know, whatever other features um, or like, you know, using uh, uh, the signal protocol with WhatsApp or whatever, they're still collecting a ton of data about you. Obviously, somehow they have like 100 different data points that they can collect, uh, you know, on you from. So, yeah, I I mean, you can say, oh, well, they they allow for use over Tor. Oh, they they had they embedded the signal protocol into Facebook Messenger and into WhatsApp. And, and you know, and they uh, they allow you to share PGP keys so easily. And they do all, all this other stuff. It's yeah, well, but it's a honey. It's a honeypot. OK, <laughs> I, I mean, to, to say nothing of, you know, because other people say, well, but it's so nice because with Facebook login, they do OAuth and and they don't know it's all double blind. They don't really know who you you know, what you're logging into, you just get to use it and, and it's all open source and it's wonderful. And no, you know, we've recently found out that that's, that's been cracked into and Facebook is still tracking that as well. So, you know, stop. Don't, there's no, there is no argument for this company being in any way ethical or doing anything right. I mean, they're, they're just, they're not. Um, and to add on to the fact that, that Facebook is not doing anything right. Uh, I got a notification the other day uh, that it was something to the effect of, oh, we're going to, you know, give you your most important notifications first. Uh, and th what's happening here is, is that through an algorithm, which woohoo. And of course, recently we've also talked about how, you know, Facebook algorithms are l almost literally a form of like uh, social behavioral mind control. And I mean, you know, in, in a very real sense, not it's not mind control like brainwashing or something, you know, necessarily along those lines. But it is a way of steering your directions, actions and things like this. Uh, in fact, there's that tremendous Guardian story that they're the ones that said that they, they came right out and said, like, let's let's be clear here that we are being socially engineered by all of these algorithms. We are not in control of these algorithms. And oftentimes we can't turn this shit off. Uh, you know, I mean, this is a real problem. And so. Now, one of these uh, algorithms will be deciding for you what is most important to you as far as a notification or a like. Uh, and this is this is so I ironic. This is so well, I think there's a there's a bigger kind of story to get into here. But the funny thing is, 
is that, you know, they, they gave you the option. Facebook gave you the option to, and, and at first it was a popular feature where like, say it was a page that you were following where you could click like on it and then you could choose to get notifications for that page. Okay. Uh, this is, this is a similar, everything I'm about to describe. They did this with Instagram too. And a lot of the, you know, Instagram famous people were freaking out because now people weren't going because of all these algorithms, they weren't going to see a raw feed. And there was a chance that you'd miss whatever they post. You could still miss what people post in, in Instagram. Cause even if you get notifications, uh, generally like on Android anyway, uh, it just gives you the latest notification and there could be other notifications that you'll just never know that, that you got, uh, because it'll only give you the notification for the latest, uh, post that that you were following but anyway so ironically facebook did this a few years ago where because you know and, and all the time they're always fucking with pages and you know in groups and whatever else and mainly this is because they want you to pay they want you to boost your posts they want you to pay they don't want you getting free business uh you know in free advertising and whatever else uh you know on facebook they want you to pay for it and so if you're not boosting well you're screwed just like on instagram as soon as, you know, if you pay for boosted posts effectively or boosted pictures, I guess you could call them on Instagram, what will happen is, is that once you stop paying, they bury your posts from the person's feed because, again, they don't get a raw feed anymore. Now it's all algorithmically controlled as far as what what's considered most important and which things you see first. Now, with Facebook, you had the get notifications uh, feature where it would supposedly tell you every single time, uh, you know, one of the pages that you followed or say you could do this for a person's account, a friend's account as well. Uh, you know, when your friend would post something, it would come up. Uh, now, it still kind of comes up. I mean, and they changed the way that that get notifications works. Now it's like really buried. You have to go to the person's timeline. You can't just click on the like button and then choose to get notifications. You have to you have to like choose. Oh, do you just want videos? Do you just want this? or do you want all uh and what happens is is that like if you're not paying attention okay to like if you're not on facebook at all moments at all times ready to to click on every note every time a number you know that big red number one which you know using the color red is also a, a bit of mental trickery uh you know to, to get you excited and to get you looking at it um if you don't if you don't click on that like right away in fact, if you do click on it right away, like pretty much, you, you know, you have to be on to be able to see every notification that you set up to get. You would have to be sitting at, at a laptop, you know, at a desktop environment. OK, at the desktop version of the site and where it could show up in the left, where it'll come up with what the notification is. That's the only way you're going to be able to see every notification that comes out now, because now, yeah, you could have three or four different notifications. But then when you click on, you know, say you click up on, on the little you know globe at the top right there where, you know, where the notification number comes up, it will instantly reorganize what notifications it shows you at the top. Now, the funny thing is, is like, and I, I've already been, this has been going on for a few days now and I'll click on it when there's a notification, but then it'll just like, what'll be at the top, like three or four or five at the top will be ones that I already looked at. But that's because the algorithm is, is deciding which, uh, which notifications are best for me. So like I run the sovereign tech uncensored Facebook group there. Once again, there's entire posts that I'm not seeing that I, I, you know, and I'm an admin, like I'm, I'm supposed to be able to see everyone or I'm supposed to get a notification of everyone and I'm getting nothing or I, they're not nothing, but I mean, there's plenty of them where, where I'm not, I have no idea. Uh, even if I get tagged, even if, you know, I'm tagged in it, it doesn't show up at the top. Uh, I mean, this is, this is getting so out of control with Facebook. Uh, 
And really, it comes down to, in my opinion, what what this is about is that, okay, fine. So, you know, the, the Facebook famous and the Instagram famous and whatever, the social media famous, they figured out, okay, as long as the as long as the uh, the platform, in this case, Facebook has the option to to get notifications and get notifications for everything going on, then we will get, you know, say I was a Facebook famous person, which I'm not, I would get my followers to, you know, uh, set it up to get notifications, right? Okay. So say you do that. So, so that's, that's what these people figured out. And then probably a lot of the people that follow him went ahead and did that. Now what's happening though, is that again, with this algorithmic control of your notifications, not of what's in the news feed. I mean, that's been around forever, not of what's you know going on in a group or something, not in your feeds, what's happening in the notifications bar. What they want you know, because now now even if you get all notifications for somebody, it's not going to you know, there's no guarantee that it's going to show up at the top. You you could completely fucking miss it. You know, if you're not 100 percent on Facebook all the time and you get to see that little thing, you know, that pops up on the left. Um, so what I think is happening here, Facebook's not saying it, but what I think is happening here is this is just like Instagram where, OK, you need to you know, if you pay us, if you pay for boosted posts, then we will make sure you're at the top of uh, you know, of the notifications drop down. Otherwise, sorry, Jack, you're screwed. Not happening. I really, I, I think that this is, that's what this is about. And I think that the lack of notifications for groups is because everybody's running to the hills or in this case, running to the groups because they can't, people are just sick of, of the, the full on timeline. And they just, they want to, I, I think what's happened is, is that the people that have been using Facebook for a few years now, okay. Uh, you know, this is to say nothing of what's up and coming with the next generation, but the people that have been using Facebook for a few years now are just sick of, of dealing with, 5,000 potentially or more potentially people at once. They just want to, you know, they've met the people in their lives, maybe, and maybe they've settled down or whatever, and they just want to interact with the people or they want to interact with a very specific passion and they want to get Facebook out of their lives. I mean, we know in 2015, there was a huge report, uh, or actually maybe it might've been early 2016 where Zuckerberg came out and, or where that Facebook report leaked that said, uh, we were having content collapse. People aren't posting anything anymore. They're terrified of this, but that's what's happening because everybody's running over to groups and Facebook's trying to mitigate this by, you know, by trying to get people involved in messenger and everything, but they don't realize that Facebook's real strength isn't necessarily messenger or whatever. It's the threads. It, it, it's the fact that you can have, uh, you know, threaded conversations. That's Facebook's greatest strength and anything that wants to really beat or best Facebook needs to have both groups and needs to have a uh, threaded conversations to make that work right now. And there's very few that, that offer both of those features uh, in any meaningful way or at all. Okay. Like Twitter, if Twitter, I mean, Twitter kind of allows for threaded, but not exactly, even though again, kudos to Twitter for, you know, doubling the, the, the character count for some people, hopefully that becomes available for everybody in the very near future. But if Twitter had groups, they, they might be able to pull this off. They really might be able to pull it off. But like the way that th that threads work in, in Twitter isn't exactly like if they if, if Twitter. Here's what I think. And, and look, I, I said this a couple weeks ago. If Twitter just copied almost feature for feature what Facebook does, that's OK with me. That's fine. Go ahead. You know, almost feature for feature anyway. You know, still allow for a lot of that anonymity. Don't put in a real name policy or any of that horseshit. OK, but with Twitter, what they need to do is in the main firehose feed. 
like have the have what's a reply to a tweet be just indented a little bit. Now, they do that in certain ways when you look at at a tweet, but they need to have that in the main you know, in the main Twitter feed, in the main Firehose feed, in my opinion, and then put in groups and Twitter. I think, you know, I, I really I think they become a very vi- especially with 280 characters. They they become a viable competitor to Facebook and something that people would be willing to switch to uh, because Twitter already Twitter more so than Facebook is like the phone directory of the Internet you know, for so many people. And that's a very powerful feature that they have going for them. And also their integration, uh, you know, with television shows. Right. I mean, like all of these things, you know, but just add in those those couple things that people really look for that that help make sense of their world. That being groups and threaded conversations uh, or more noticeable threaded conversations, because like I said, they already sort of have that, uh, obviously. But and then, then I think they can make it happen. But this is just so bad with, with this algorithmic, you know, now the fucking notification feed is algorithmic. Fuck it, man. Like, I'm just so done. I am so done. You know, and I know, I know we've been talking about this for years and I've said it for years and it seems like every two, three episodes I start bitching about Facebook. Yep. I understand that. Well, I'm really like, this is really kind of the last straw because I mean, I and I think it's going to be for a lot of people, because one of the things that people, you know, that that little endorphin rush that they get for the fucking, you know, for that little red number one that they get or however many numbers they get. I mean, I get, you know, for for better or worse, I get a lot more than just one, uh, you know, I mean, people live for that thing. And now you're fucking with that. And I don't think people are going to get used to it. But I understand Facebook is like, no, we need to start charging people. We've got the network effect. So they, they think it just doesn't matter and, and they can just roll with it. Uh, this is only going to get worse. Facebook is only going to get worse. It's only going to get more pervasive. The ads are going to be a bigger part of it. Um, I mean, we talked about uh, either last week or, yeah, I think it was last week in, in last week's show. We talked about how now they're going to be charging for subscriptions to instant articles. Uh, I, I mean, this is just, you know, now they're wanting people to pay the piper. The fortunate thing is, is that this is exactly in many ways, you know, minus some differing technologies in in play and in use here. This is exactly what AOL did. Exactly what AOL did almost across the board. We talked about this last week and AOL died because it it just the feature creep and everything else just got too much. It just got to be too much. And then you end up with aim for a while. And sure, Facebook Messenger is going to be around for a while. A lot of people use that. Yeah, Twitter's the phone directory. uh, But but in many ways, Facebook Messenger is the phone, you know, is the phone itself. So. Yeah, I, I, I can imagine and I and this isn't anything new. I've been saying it for years. I can imagine a world where Facebook is really just Facebook Messenger now, you know, that that's that's what it ends up being. And then Instagram, of course, is its own thing, but it's owned by Facebook uh, because Instagram's just not not going to go anywhere, regardless of, of this crap that goes on. I mean, just too many people. I mean, myself, <laughs> in some ways, myself included, you know, either want to look at hot dudes or hot women or whatever, you know, take your pick. And, and Instagram is phenomenal for that. And hey, great. So anyway, uh, that's, there you go. Uh, you know, and if you're asking about what are we doing about the Facebook, uh, the sovereign tech uncensored Facebook group, because I've been talking, especially on Patreon, um, on Patreon episodes, I've talked about this quite a bit and I've had, uh, just, just amazing people give me, uh, uh, great suggestions as far as what to do as alternatives. Yeah. I mean, I'm seriously looking at alternatives, especially with the notifications things. Look, if I can't engage with you, if I'm not getting the notifications, what the fuck's the point, right? It's that bad. In fact, you know what? One of the reasons that I state that I've had a Facebook account for so long, the person that I'm kind of there for, she even said, 
she said, look, if you want to delete your Facebook account, go ahead. Like she knew that like this, this is, this is really one of, you know, straw that broke the camel's back. I mean, that's exactly what this is. It's that bad. Maybe there's a way that you can turn this off, that you can turn off this algorithm. But even that, like I said, sure, there was a way to, there's always been little workarounds, but those workarounds only work for a little while. And then Facebook just changes shit on you. And, and they, they purposely make their settings, uh, you know, incredibly complex uh, because they, they just want you to use the tyranny of the default. You know, they want you to use whatever default settings they want you to use. That's tyranny of the default. And that's what most people are going to run with. And hey, whatever. I mean, they're, they're shooting themselves in the foot, in my opinion, with this uh, and, uh, and so many other things. But yeah, maybe I'm a unique case. Maybe other people are just like, oh, Facebook. Oh, you know, they just clap their hands and they just fucking love it. Maybe, I, you know, I don't know. I, don't, I guess that could be happening because they're just so happy that Zuckerberg finally came to Nebraska or something. And oh, he came to Nebraska. He's just like one of us. Yeah, no, he's a fucking android. I'm kind of kidding about that. He's, but I don't know. Sometimes I wonder. Do <laughs> you see those pictures of him with his legs? Where like his, I, this is this is a weird ass dude. Oh, anyway, um, okay. Let's move on, shall we? <laughs> into some other stuff. Uh, I did not expect to talk about that singular story for so long. Um, uh, yeah, so well, here here's another thing uh, that I think is is of interest. Uh, and this is a small story and a very small thing, but I, I think it has some broader ramifications as well. Uh, Google is now with their search. What they've done is is that say you're outside of the U.S. and say normally say you live in Mexico. And normally you you type in uh, I don't know Google.mx if that's the you know if that's the URL for down there. Um, say you type in Google.mx. If you are like say say you're visiting, you're from Mexico and say you're visiting Canada. Okay. Say you're going to Montreal or something. And you, if you type in, like, even if you go to google.mx when you're in Canada, you will not normally what would happen before is you would get results based upon Mexico, the geographic area, because you're at google.mx instead of google.ca or google.com. Okay. Uh, you know, you have a country code at the end. Now what's happening is, is that it bases it upon your wireless location and you are going to get regardless of what, you know, of what URL you type in for Google. It could be google.co.uk. If you are in Montreal, you're going to get local results from Montreal. Now, Google's argument for this is that one in five searches is based upon is a local search, meaning that it's searching for something local. So their their idea is apparently that, well, you know, let's just get rid of the code that even like switches this around. If people just want to go local, then we already have the Google cookie on their computer and we will just, um, you know, that 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 doesn't kill itself for like 30 years. People used to care about that. The fact that even if you just visited Google, it would download a cookie onto your computer. People used to give a shit. Like 10 years ago, people were like, oh, that's not okay. I'm not going to go. To, I'm not going to even visit Google's site. I mean, now nobody cares. But at the time, that was that was serious. People really had, had I mean, in the tech world, people had serious conversations about that. What the fuck do you mean? Just like with Facebook. I remember when Facebook, uh, the first time that face, they, people found out, and this would have been like 09 maybe or, or 2010, 2011, somewhere around there. So just, you know, five, six years ago, when Facebook uploaded your contacts automatically, into Facebook, into the app. People flipped out and said, whoa, what the fuck are you doing? You can't do that. Now, I mean, every app uploads your contacts and it seems like nobody gives a damn. But anyway, <laughs> people used to care about that Google cookie. So, but regardless, Google, you know, and, and it's not just Google's cookie. I mean, the browser, you know, collects so much information about you and, and says so much uh, that 
yeah, I mean, it's going to know your location and it'll give you, you know, results based upon that. Now, Sovereign Tech listeners, I kind of hope that this actually doesn't mean much to you for a couple of reasons. Okay, Uh, the main reason being you're using DuckDuckGo. You're not using Google's uh, Google's search. Uh, The other thing is, is that hopefully, you know, you're using a VPN more often than not. Okay, and like if you say say you like to download from the uh, public library, as we like to call it on the show, (laughs) you know, not like Pirate Bay or maybe like Pirate Bay. Oh, I, I mean, the public library. You generally set your, um, you know, your VPN uh, for, you know, you set it for like the Netherlands, okay, or a country where, say, downloading uh, certain content isn't so much of a legal issue, okay, so you set it for the Netherlands. Now, when you have your VPN on and then in your browser you go to Google, what does it do? It's, it, goes, it goes to like Google.nl, it goes to the Netherlands and it starts giving you, it doesn't even give you results in English. Now, if you're using DuckDuckGo with a VPN, say, connected to the Netherlands, DuckDuckGo is just is is fortunately dumb, okay, in the sense that it doesn't collect any information about you and all it knows is, oh, the browser likes, you know, the primary language for your web browser is English, so we'll have results show up in English and and it and it's not location specific. Understand that location specific data where that data can come to you automatically. I mean, in DuckDuckGo, you can type out uh, you know, movie theaters New Hampshire and you'll get you'll get local stuff, okay? But as to where with like with Google, you just type in movie theaters and it's going to base it upon where you actually are. It's going to use location data to, you know, to to give you those results. I mean, so you can still use DuckDuckGo for for local stuff. Um but, you know, my, my point being is that it's dumb. And so it just keeps it simple and, and it, it doesn't localize, uh, you know, what you're what you're doing, which is a great thing. Right. So, again, this whole thing with Google switching this up, I mean, they're, it's not like they're doing anything new. This isn't necessarily anything nefarious, but I still think it's a pain in the ass anyway. And like I said, if you know, if you're doing this right, you're going with the, you know, the, the one two punch of you have a VPN rocking and rolling, whatever it may be for, and you're using DuckDuckGo. And when you need local data, you fucking just type in the local area that you are. I hope you can at least conceive what town you happen to be in, uh, you know, and you type that in and then you can find your stuff on DuckDuckGo. Um, you know, Google is not going to go. So, cause my point is, is that because of this and many other reasons, like Google and VPNs don't work well together. Okay. They, they, they just don't, at least if you're going for other countries, uh, it's, it can really be a pain in the ass. So just don't do it anyway. You know, you're having your security is way more important than having the convenience of Google telling you where something is and what time it is without you typing every little bit of information in. Okay. Keep some control of this shit for fuck's sake. Now, you know, there was a story going around. I think it was on the Merkel that I was reading it, uh, initially that some, uh, uh VPNs, they are claiming that they're keeping, you know, one of the important things for a VPN to do, as I've said many times on Sovereign Tech, is to keep zero logs. That way, when any government comes knocking at their door, they have no logs to hand over. OK, you know, they don't have information about you to hand over because they don't bother to keep the logs. Uh, there has recently been some concern around this is that it was recently discovered uh, two companies in particular, IP Vanish and Pure VPN, uh, that they are. Um, they are keeping logs, even though they tell their customers and they put it on their site that we keep zero logs. Uh, now, another issue with this is the FBI claims that, quote, there is no VPN that doesn't keep logs, end quote. And even, you know, my personal favorite uh, VPN and one that I've recommended for quite some time on Sovereign Tech, 
uh, that being private Internet access. You know, they claim to keep zero logs, which is why I recommended them. Um, but there have been some concerns around some legal wording, some some wording that they've used in court. That makes people think or, or that that suggests perhaps and there's a lot of I mean, this is very, very careful wording. OK, and, and you know, and it's a lot of reading into it that, yes, they have been keeping logs and yes, they've handed those logs over to the government. If that is true, this is something I'm going to be I'm going to be keeping an eye on, which isn't why which is why I'm not going to spend a whole time talking a whole lot of time talking about it right now. Uh, but if that's true, uh, yeah, we've got a problem, you know, and if you're going to ask what's my secondary recommendation recommendation, if you are concerned about private Internet access, uh, AirVPN has been my secondary recommendation across the board every single moment for years. Uh, so, you know, and, and they also do the same claims, you know, zero logs and they accept Bitcoin and other things and whatever. Um, but, you know, I need to look more into what's going on with private Internet access. But at this point, if you're using IP Vanish or pure VPN, fucking get rid of those now they are handing over logs they tell you they're not keeping logs but they are okay so this is i mean definitely a very concerning thing if i can think of it i'll put the uh, a link to that in um, the show notes but uh another thing that one last bit i actually i have a ton of stories that i wanted to get into but let's just do uh one last one here and this is a follow-up. In fact, this is almost this is like an anniversary story for fuck's sake. Uh, it's what call what they're calling IoT Reaper, or some or also they call it IO Troop, uh, depending upon which researcher uh, you know was talking about it. And this is I'll just call it Reaper, uh, but it has to do with Internet of Things. That's why it's IoT. Uh, this is kind of a a return to if you remember. In fact, I, I called this. Uh, a year ago, I called it the day the Internet died. OK, and I believe it was October 21st um, when this happened. And it was the Mirai botnet uh, where it took over some odd 100,000 to 200,000 devices uh, and it, it you know, created a DDoS attack against uh, the Dyn servers. Uh, which was, well, I have my own theories around why exactly that happened, but effectively a ton of Internet services and sites were shut down because of this. Okay, now the concern at the time, what I expressed on the show at the time, was that, well, this is what happens with IoT. So many of these devices aren't secured, they can get taken over, and they can become, you know, each one of these IP addresses can just, you know, get pointed at whatever servers that they want to point at, and, and whatever domains they want to point at, and then they it, it's just a massive DDoS attack, and you could literally shut down the internet. Okay, because of because of the failings within the IoT industry, within the Internet of Things or Internet of Targets or Internet of Things to be hacked, uh, you know, go, go down the list. I used to do a segment on the show uh, that was this was called Internet of Targets because, you know, there was just nightmare after nightmare with this technology, but people still want to keep using it. It blows my mind. Um, anyway, we have a new nightmare. You know, now we'll quote Alice Cooper. Welcome to my nightmare. Uh, and it's called again, it's called Reaper or IOT uh, Reaper. And there there's some. So w- what's happening here? It's very similar to Mirai. Uh, it hasn't necessarily been activated yet. There have been two. Uh, there's Checkpoint and uh, there was another uh, a company, security company that has found that this, you know, this code's going around that can activate this botnet. Uh, and it exists within routers. I mean, all kinds of different devices, cameras, even NVR. I mean, just like all, all sorts of devices. 
Uh, and it's active. Like people are adding on devices and, and because they're, they're finding more and more uh, like uh, market category or device categories within IOT where they're starting to find, you know, this, 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 this code, uh, this malicious botnet, you know, starting, starting to move in on them. And the, now here, here's the issue is that when this was first reported, checkpoint was saying that they, uh, you know, that it was like it, it had infected some odd a million to two million devices. Okay, now what we find out is, is that that's a speculative number, that they've really only found it in anywhere from 10,000 to 30,000 actual devices. Uh, now, this is also within enterprise, the enterprise space where they found these. Okay, so this isn't just something that's happening in the consumer, uh, you know, consumer arena. Uh, but so there's a chance that this isn't as big as Mirai, but I mean, if it's true, if their speculation is true that it's some odd a million to two million devices and this suddenly, you know, gets activated, oh, fuck. Like, oh, fuck. And this has been going on for, I mean, like, understand this, this isn't even anything new. This is something that's been creeping in for quite some time. Uh, in fact, there was uh, Hacker News. This is back in like 2014 where they had that headline. There was like millions of vulnerable routers, uh, you know, aiding in a massive DNS amplification DDoS attacks. This is the same stuff. So <laughs> this is this is not a new problem. Uh, and and the shit isn't getting patched enough uh, because so many of the like, you know, you have cheap routers or, you know, cheap IOT devices and everything. I mean, the problem comes from the fact that there's just not security is not being I mean, that's great. That's so nice that you can get a device for 20 bucks, for 30 bucks, for 50 bucks, whatever. Or you can get a, a toothbrush that connects to the Internet. That's so wonderful for you. Ooh, I am so happy. Let me clap. Ooh, boy, you are a winner at life. Your your toothbrush can connect to the fucking Internet. Why the fuck it needs to do that? I have no goddamn idea. OK, but regardless, because of that, that suddenly becomes that device becomes a little attack vector. OK, for the rest of the Internet. But you just think it's so quaint and so cute. So what's happening here? Okay, is that because there's all these devices again now, you know, each one of these devices can be another attack vector against whatever, you know, whoever's controlling this botnet, uh, in this case, Reaper, you know, wants to attack. And when you get into where it's millions of devices and that adds up to, you know, like I, I think there's speculation as far as how many enterprise, uh, you know, how many companies this has gotten into about a hundred thousand companies or something. I mean, the numbers are just astronomical of what's happening here. And it's a matter of time now to some degree, you know, there, there's, you can mitigate th these things a little bit ahead of time, but not everything, because again, a lot of the devices that people bought, you know, when they're trying to scrimp on shit, okay, they, they end up buying devices that have no, uh, uh, you know, no IT department behind it, you know, no cybersecurity teams behind it, no firmware updates to ever come out again. Uh, I mean, this is this is a huge problem. And also a lot of these IoT devices and whatever else are closed source. And this makes it just an amazing case for why everything needs to be open source, because if it was open source, then Checkpoint or other security teams could come in and they could patch all this shit themselves. You know, they could just look at the code and they could say, OK, well, all right, well, well, before somebody activates this fucking botnet, we'll clean this shit up. But no, instead, we have to deal with closed source bullshit because, oh, we got to make money. Yeah, you're not going to make any money when the fucking Internet shut down, you son of a bitch. Or because you have the NSA, oh, we have to do this for national security. There's no national security when the whole fucking network's going to get shut down. Unbelievable. 
You're handing flamethrowers to children with this stuff. You know, I've said this for so long. Humanity's not ready for the technology that it's developing and that it's putting in front of its own goddamn face. It's just not. You're not ready for, you know, I, oh. I'm, I'm, I, all right. I was, I mentioned last week I went to a conference. This conference had to do a lot with chatbots. Look, humanity's not ready for chatbots. Tay? Remember Microsoft Tay? How about what it was it Xiaomi or Xiaomi or whatever the 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 one in uh, that Microsoft developed in in China that people are falling in love with? They're falling in love with a chatbot. People aren't ready for any of this. Fuck, we're talking about people that just a few years ago they couldn't program a VCR, and now what? You want you want to connect their toothbrush to the fucking internet? What the hell? Who thought that this was a good idea? You know, that's the thing, because it's not about whether or not it's a good idea. It's not about whether or not it increases the quality of life. Not the fucking shut up about the standard of living. That doesn't mean goddamn a goddamn thing. What matters is the quality of life. And those are two separate things. These people don't give a damn about that. All they care about is their bottom line, their fucking spreadsheets, and making sure that their their pockets are lined with all of that green or whatever the fuck it is now. Whatever money they decide to go with. Oh, let's put it on Ethereum. Oh, yeah, because people are ready for that. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I mean, just, just you know, with so many of, 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 and look, when I say Silicon Valley, I don't mean every company and every human being in Silicon Valley. That, that'd be ridiculous. Obviously, I don't mean that. I mean Silicon Valley in the abstract, the tech industry in the abstract. You people are living in a different world than everybody else. And maybe, maybe, you know what? Maybe here's what it is. In fact, I remember. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a made big time gamer. Love gaming. It's, it's, it's part of the core of my existence. Okay. Uh, I remember when, or, and I'm sure many of you do as well, because we talked about it on Sovereign Tech uh, years ago when it was the Xbox one, when that was first getting developed, wasn't even released yet. When it was getting developed, there was initially Microsoft was going to, you would, you were going to be forced to have an internet connection to play games on the Xbox one and really to use the Xbox one. You had to have an internet connection. And there was a, a very public Twitter battle between a guy, a developer with, with Xbox you know, of the Xbox. And then another guy in the, and, you know, this guy on Twitter was saying to the developer saying, Hey, what about the people that don't have an internet connection? And the guy, the, the fucking Xbox guy just said, who the hell's that? Like, what's wrong with them? Fuck them. Like, I mean, that's pretty much the attitude he was putting out there. I don't know. I don't remember the exact tweet, but he was saying, well, fuck them. Who cares? You know, they're, they're, they're worthless. And I think that's the attitude that a lot of these people have. Who gives a shit? Now, as long as I get their money, it doesn't matter. I don't have to do security. I don't have to secure your dildo. I don't have to secure your, uh, you know, whatever. I mean, who, who, who cares? We're going to talk about this a little bit more because we got to get into the Amazon key story, which I know everybody's, I mean, I, so many people sent that story into me. Um, so we'll get into that, but yeah, I mean, understand that the abstract Silicon Valley, I'm not, I mean, there's some good tech com companies out there. There's some people, do, and even on blockchain, whatever else, there's some people, very few, but there's some people doing some amazing things. Okay. I'm not, I don't, I don't mean to take anything away from that, but let us be very clear. Silicon Valley is not your friend. They don't want to help you. They don't care about your innate desire. They don't care about your life. 
the way they think you're just a cog in the fucking machine. Don't believe me? Ask them. Ask them. In fact, hell, go to a blockchain conference. Ask them if you think they're so goddamn rebellious because, yeah, we're peer to peer. We're going to be we're, we're, we're the rebels. You know, we're taking on all the big companies. Yeah. Ask them. They just want they, they want to program you just like everything else, just like everybody else. Fuck them all. Learn technology for yourself. You understand? Learn it for yourself. Have an understanding of how some of this shit works. At the very least, know how to get to settings on an app for me, okay? Understand, like, look into, be a, be a conscious consumer. You know, that, that's so funny. Conscious consumers, sorry, I'm getting into a whole fucking rant here, but whatever. Conscious consumerism, okay? This has been a solution that people have proposed for a hundred years. You can read about, I mean, you know, there's, there's, you know, whole periodicals from the early 20th century where people are talking about, Hey, you know, maybe you should do a little research about where exactly, uh, you know, these parts are coming from, where this person's doing this, you know, where's the money flowing that this company, uh, you know, that you're buying shit from. I mean, like this used to be a thing and it's something people still propose whole documentaries talk about be a conscious consumer, you know, think about what are the effects of what I'm buying? Where did what I'm buying come from? And stuff like this. I mean, this is a solution that's been known for so long and nobody gives a shit. You know, the best example that I give, and in fact, we'll talk about this more later when we get into the climax, because I'm going to be doing a review of a computer that I recently acquired. Okay. There's no such thing as a $600 computer or as I'm sorry, there's no such thing as a $200 computer. You understand? There's a $600 computer with a whole shit ton of ad tech and security exploits on it. That's what a $200 computer is. And I get so tired of fucking capitalists saying all the time, oh, isn't the world, isn't, isn't the modern day so wonderful? Oh, you can get things so inexpensively and you can live like kings. Yeah, and you can die like them too because everything is so goddamn insecure and everything's just set to fail. And oh, wait till we talk about the Amazon key, baby. It's ridiculous. You get what you pay for. That's why Apple's so valuable, you know, because people get get some fucking I'll, I'll, I'll give Apple that people get some goddamn quality with them and they know it. That's why I mean, yeah, there, there's like there's an industry, you know, there really is. There's an industry of, you know, ten thousand dollar, twenty thousand dollar phones and the like. Right. Like these Android phones made by whatever dumbass company you can think of. Uh, I don't know, by Rolex or something. I mean, I don't think Rolex does it, but maybe like tag or whoever, you know, makes makes like a ten thousand dollar phone. There's other companies that, that have made these, these these crazy expensive phones and they never they never necessarily do very well. And I, I think the reason that that happens is because, look, you know, I mean, like these these people uh, of means and wealth. Like, they just get it. They understand. No, okay, you know, Apple, like, yeah, I hash out $1,000, and that's, like, the upper limit of any kind of security you get. There's nothing you can really add on. Even the bling, you just add on the bling with, like, a case onto the iPhone. Or you can, like, you can buy those 24-karat gold iPhones. I mean, like, they really do exist, even though you don't find them at store.apple.com. Okay, but they're out there. And I think that's why, because, you know, just they, they get it. They're, they're being the conscious consumer where, okay, no, this is, this is the epitome of security. Everything else is horseshit. You know, this is the quality that I need and, and, and that's, and that's enough. And that's where it sits, you know, unless you buy the $20,000 Apple watch or something, but even then you're, you know, you're buying from them. Oh, it's just, it just drives me, drives me up the wall. 
No, these market categories, the market is not solving shit. It is creating so many fucking problems right now. And it's not, you can't just blame the NSA. You can't, okay? These private companies that have nothing to do with the FBI or the NSA or whatever else, they have nothing to do with it. Do you understand me? They have nothing to do with it. They don't, they're not willing to put in what needs to be put in to these various uh, technologies and, and devices and whatever else that they're schlepping out to, uh, you, know, you know, to the poor folk. They're not doing their job. Don't blame the government on, you know, I'll blame the government all day long. I have no problem. I'm a fucking anarchist. I'll blame the government every single day, you know, nonstop. And don't say, well, if the government wasn't here, maybe the market could solve this. You don't know that. What I know right now, what I have the absolute evidence and proof of, understand, is that these companies are unwilling because just because they want to, you know, lick their greasy fucking fingers with all of that greed, okay, they they are not willing to do what it takes to keep customers protected. They're not, because they don't care. Don't fucking tell me it's not, not this time. It's not the NSA this time. I mean, maybe you could say maybe the NSA is behind the botnet. Sure, fine. Okay, but the real problem here is that you have a bunch of you know, dumbass fucking companies. Okay. That, and, and, and an entire tech industry, again, I'm speaking in the abstract. Not everybody is this way, but you have an entire tech industry that just doesn't give a fucking shit about security and doesn't give a shit about what people actually want. And is just ready, you, you know, to just screw everybody over as long as their bottom line looks phenomenal or as long as they have growth numbers. Oh, as long as I have growth, as long as my investors are happy. Fuck, man, what the hell happened to keep, you know, keeping your customers happy? What the hell happened to like, I mean, you know, there was a time 30, 40 years ago, maybe 50 years ago, where like we're car companies. I mean, and you can read the reports like at Ford and GM and others where they're talking about, hey, uh, you know, if there's a chance that anybody could die in this thing, this is not okay. And it wasn't because of federal regulation. It had nothing to do with federal regulation. There weren't even seatbelts at the time. Okay. I mean, some of the cars had them, but they were concerned because they gave a shit about people. Do you understand? And they were terrified of what would happen if somebody died in one of their cars, that would be the biggest mess and, and PR. I mean, like they were terrified of, the, of, of what kind of, you know, what public relations fiasco that that would become. And so they said, all right, you make the front of that car, you make that baby six feet long. We don't care if this car is the size of a goddamn boat. Nobody's going to die in our cars. But in the abstract, Silicon Valley does not have that attitude. They don't care. It's not just Silicon Valley. Sure, it's China. A lot of Southeast Asian companies, too. Like I said, I'm speaking of the tech world in the abstract, and it's not everybody. I understand that. But they don't care about you. And the only thing you can do about it is be fucking knowledgeable. Be knowledgeable. I'm here for you, baby. Think about it. I'll be right back with some more Sovereign Tech. Everything is broken. You know, it's true. I mean, but 
understand there's hope, you know, the peer to peer really is a solution to a lot of this. I mean, so, so many of these varying technologies really are a solution. Uh, but, you know, maybe if you want to ride out this, uh, you know, future botnet storm, perhaps uh, I don't mean to do the fear monger sell here, but maybe you want to diversify, you know, some of your wealth and value into something that could survive, uh, you know, little little issues with uh, the Internet and computers. How about buying some gold and silver? What the hell? Uh, in fact, you could use Bitcoin to get your hands on that. Can you get any better than that? Use real money to get some real value. And that being gold, silver, platinum, palladium, whatever you want from Roberts and Roberts Brokerage. This is one of the best businesses in the world. They're going to give you your hookup coins, whatever you want. You they, Believe me, they got it and they've got great prices and phenomenal fucking service. They are awesome. Okay. And they are, the, they listen to the show. They know the score. Okay. <laughs> Trust me. This is just, I, I love dealing with them. I've dealt with them. They're, they're the best. Roberts and Roberts Brokerage. They are a sovereign tech sponsor. They are a longtime sovereign tech sponsor. I'm so honored to have them on board. Um, as always, this is real. You know, think of precious metals as, you know, cold storage, offline cold storage. And you could see why that'd probably be, be a good idea right now. So go to rrbi.co. Okay. Let them know that the golden stallion sent you. Believe me, they'll know exactly who you're talking about. And, uh, I thank them for sponsoring sovereign tech. Woo. Let's get back to the show. Story of the week. Ooh, it's time for story of the week. And you know, I wish I could say, Hey, I'm going to calm things down. We're, we're going to, we're going to have some fun. We're going to tone this shit way down. Uh, but that's likely not to happen here, folks, uh, <laughs> because this, Oh, uh, so I actually had, uh, shared with me by, uh, just the, the inimitable, amazing, wonderful MK Lords, um, who has been a guest on this show in the past. Uh, I'm a huge fan of her podcast, Iconosass, uh, but she kind of put out the warning. There was a, um, there was a concern where Patreon had recently changed its, uh, they had changed their policy towards, shall we say, adult content. Um, and the, the specific site so, so what, oh boy, this is, <laughs> I'm still so riled up from the last segment there. Okay. Uh, so what's happening is, is there was a change in wording and a whole bunch of people, uh, they, it's an open or what is it? Open letter to patreon.com is the URL and people wrote, uh, to, you know, we're, we're, we're creating this petition, uh, against Patreon. And these are, these are, you know, Patreon creators who, who are behind this. Um, I signed, uh, this petition and I said, absolutely. You can put up sovereign tech is not safe for work because the show by all fucking means is not safe for work. Uh, and, and most of the content I do is certainly not safe for work. I make it as sexy and as, uh, uh you know, <laughs> I don't want to say vulgar cause that has some connotations I don't want to get into, but, uh, anyway, I, yeah, I make it as extreme as I can. So, Anyway, I want so what what happened is is the concern is is that there's some new wording in the guidelines on Patreon, and because of that, a lot of uh, creators on Patreon will not be able to continue to use Patreon because you know maybe they do pornographic work of a sort or something like that. So I want to read the open letter, and then there was an email sent out. I might not read the entire open letter, but there was an email sent out by uh, the the head of Patreon, Jack Conti, uh, who he uh, had he had a response, and apparently his heart was broken. Whatever, we'll, we'll we'll go we'll read on about this, and then I have something I want to talk about with you know a response that I had gotten recently. Um, to, to actually to my Sarah Ha, which I can't pull up right now. Sarah Ha's down, which that happens all the time. But um, but I, I know the gist of what the person said. So 
anyway, um, let, let's read this. The open letter to Patreon. Uh, we're writing you today, meaning to Patreon, both as adult creators and concerned indivi- individuals about free legal expression. We're deeply disappointed in your handling of clarity with regards to adult content on your platform and the mixed messages we have been receiving. Not only that, the most vulnerable among us, disproportionately queer, trans, disabled people of color, uh, disabled people of color, and those whose first language is not English, are literally scared for our lives. After hard-won fandoms finally supporting us on Patreon, just one missed payment can mean homelessness. Now, I want to stop there for a second, okay? Stanley, breaking in. When this whole thing started up, um, I looked around Twitter and I looked to all these people that are supposedly free speech advocates and they didn't care. You know, I mean, this is a huge movement going on here with this open letter to Patreon. So large, in fact, that, again, the CEO of Patreon, Jack Conti, felt like he had to respond to it. And I'm glad he did. I'm not necessarily saying I agree with everything he said, but I'm glad that he responded to it. But. Where's the free speech movement if they're so concerned about free speech? Well, again, it's really not about free speech. It's about conservatism. There's no logic in the free speech movement whatsoever. Uh, it, it's it's really it's it's just about conservatism. And you can see because any time that it has to do with sex or pornography, usually I mean, I guess I guess I, that's a broad brush on my part. But the bulk of the people that would like line up around statues and whatever else or do whatever the fuck, you know, whatever those other stupid things they do, um, you know, they're not going to defend pornography for a second. Or they're not going to defend sex workers or sex work or anything, uh, you know, in the, in that ilk. Maybe that's not true of all of them, but I did not see an uproar from uh, what is supposedly a very powerful movement uh, and and people that you know they they really care about free speech. Well, only if it fits in with their agenda, of course. Uh, so anyway, let's um l- let's read on here. Over the last couple of years, we have been courted by you, meaning Patreon, worked closely with you on promotion, creation, and even website features, and have been assured by you that Patreon was a home for all types of creators, including those that make adult content. And it's been well reported that you were ending, quote, payments discrimination against adult content, end quote, something you proudly confirmed to us in email and behind the scenes in one-on-one messages with your employees. However, there has always been an issue with your stance on porn versus adult content. This stance has never been clear and is reminiscent of the phrase, I know it when I see it, most famously used in 1964, uh, in 1964 by Supreme, Supreme Court Justice Potter Stewart to describe his threshold test for obscenity. This is an outdated, legally unclear, and importantly, extremely problematic view of adult media. This problem has only been brought further, uh, been brought further to the forefront in recent days where you have long had a checkbox on your site that says, quote, content contains sexual imagery or nudity, uh, end quote. Now, Stanley, breaking in for a second. That checkbox. Yep. That's been there for a long time. Uh, I've been on Patreon for a couple of years now, I guess, maybe a little longer uh, or something like that. But I check that box instantaneously. And what happens when you check that box is you don't show up in search. Generally, you don't show up in search. Uh, but I have no problem with that. Like that, that that's fine because I it's far more important for me to express myself with adult content than it is to, you know, have a a million patrons or something like that. It's far more important for me to be me than to appease a bunch of people. Uh, And I mean, that's, that's the the history of sovereign tech, quite frankly, (laughs) and and plenty of people complain Uh, reading on, which now, uh, which now exists uh, alongside this checkbox they're talking about, which now exists alongside new language in your October 17th update to the adult content section, which says this quote, lastly, you cannot sell, 
sell pornographic material or arrange sexual services as a reward for your patrons. You can't use Patreon to raise funds in order to produce to produce pornographic material such as maintaining a website, funding the production of movies or providing a private webcam session. End quote. Which is exactly, as you well know, how many of your most popular creators operate. We send our patrons signed prints. We let them pick what kind of movie to make. It's even how we've recom- you've recommended we operate, using Patreon to fund a movie or creating a website to reliably deliver rewards to our patrons. We've got the support conversations to back it up. After an Engadget article uh, covered these new developments, this was added. Update. A person, a Patreon spokesperson has clarified that its stance hasn't changed, just the way it articulates the policy around pornography and other adult content, which is to say that producers of pornography and sex workers more generally have always been, quote, operating outside of the community guidelines, end quote. The decision will leave a number of sex workers looking for yet another way to secure payment for their labor. End quote of all that uh, reading on as we see it. This is further confirmation of a betrayal of your loyal creators and their loyal patrons. You've made a statement to cover yourself, but completely ignored those who generate the money on your platform and use it to pay their rents. Your platform strikes a pose in favor of freedom of expression, but there is no way your current contradictory stances can result in any sort of comfort to the creators. We hear buzz that like tech companies past, it's all about funding and we worry that we'll always be disposable people. We see that you stated that you will quote unquote work with creators to make sure their pages aren't taken down, but that is not enough. Um, and there's a lot, uh, there, there's a lot more to this. Okay. Now someone, uh, actually in, in the sovereign tech Facebook group brought up a great point that this might be Patreon kind of hammering down. And I'm going to read a little bit more about what they're saying, what they made, what changes they made to their actual community guidelines. Um, and, but some people are saying that this is in response to what is happening. Like say the case against Backpage. And like sites that are explicitly about sexual services and everything, because right now they're under serious, you know, legal fire. Uh, and Patreon wants to make sure that they don't come under that. And to a degree, I can understand that. And before anybody says, well, what about Lauren Southern? Don't worry, I'll get to you. Fuck her, I'll get to you. So let's read Jack Conti's uh, response to kind of this this whole thing and and. Believe me, they, they've already responded to it uh, th- themselves. Uh, and you can go to that website that I mentioned. Uh, you will see Sovereign Tech prominently um, on display uh, because, yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I'm, I'm, I totally am in, in support of sex workers, pornography, and all of the above. You know, I'm really not going to let a bunch of asshats define for me what's pleasure and define for me what's right and wrong. I'm just I'm just not. Okay. So uh, here we go. Let's see. A note this is from Jack Conti from October 25th. A note to our adult content creators. Here's the email we sent today to our adult content creators. Hey, folks, there have been a few articles, some talk on social, and even an open letter about Patreon's recent content policy updates. Last week, the trust and safety team explained in a blog post the updates we made to the community guidelines. I really, really hope you take the time to read the blog and community guidelines for yourself. Most of all, I hope you understand that nothing has changed except our stance on four areas of content. The four are bestiality, incest, sexual depiction of minors, and suggestive sexual violence. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to stop right there. Okay, I get it. Like, those four things, I am not in favor of those things. Like, at, at all. Okay? And I would, if I owned a platform, if I saw it on my platform, yep, I'd delete it. I'd shut it down. I don't care who else is running it. 
you know, if I if I had control of this platform, that that's what I would, you know, that's what I would do. Just like if somebody was, you know, uh, trying to keep uh, people from moving from one country to another, <laughs> you know, peaceful people. Honestly, I shut them down too, a.k.a. Lauren, Lauren Southern, OK, or somebody that is potentially responsible for you know, people dying in the Mediterranean. Yeah. I'd shut her account. F- fuck you. See you later. You know? Uh, but anyway, I, we'll get, we'll get more into that later. Um, let's read here. It breaks my heart that folks who contributed to open letter to patreon.com expressed fear for their pages. Uh, Patreon is not that kind of company. I want you to disagree with us. I want you to make your voices heard. I want you to request features and policy changes. I want you to rally the community. That kind of pushing is not only good for the community, but in my opinion is that it's ultimately good for Patreon too, because it helps our team viscerally feel the voice of our creators. I want Patreon to be the most creator first company in the world. And that requires you to speak up and tell us what's on your mind. Patreon will not always be able to do what you want but at the very least we can make sure we hear you as a creator it's always bugged me when tech companies and ceos stay quiet as changes are rolled out in the background the community feels left in the dark it really bugs me because content policy is one of the most important and tough problems that modern tech platforms face it's complicated and nuanced and critical to get right so i'd like to personally clarify our update and i realize that this doesn't mean everyone will agree with it but again at the very least i don't want to be silent so here we go The way that the trust and safety team is evaluating content has not changed. Yes, the public guidelines got longer because our creators asked for extra specificity. So in response, we're sharing more detail with you about how we evaluate content. It does not represent a change to our content policy. It's added detail to the to educate the community. We did update four and only four areas of our actual content policy incest, bestiality, sexual depiction of minors, and suggestive sexual violence. If you're just reading the headlines, you'll be under the impression that we're, quote, cracking down on adult content, end quote. Again, this is not what's actually happening. We only updated the above four areas of our policy. Uh, And next one, Patreon's stance on pornography has not changed. We have never allowed pornography or sexual services on Patreon, and that stance has been clear in our guidelines since they were first published a few years ago. We used to say we allowed R-rated content, but that description was ineffective at clearly explaining our policy to the community. It didn't give you the specificity you needed to understand what's allowed and what isn't. Our updated community guidelines explain in a way more detail what we mean when it comes to adult content. I also realize that pornography is difficult to define. And you know it when you see it is a totally inadequate policy. So we've added additional detail to the pornography section of our content policy, and the team will be spending even more time clarifying our guidelines in the future. As of this morning, the guidelines state that we don't allow, quote, real people engaging in sexual acts such as masturbation or sexual intercourse on camera, end quote. Um, And then the next line goes into very few creators are affected by any of these uh, of any of these updates. And, you know, I'll read that because then I want to comment on that, that real people uh, point. Again, the only actual changes to our policy were around bestiality, incest, sexual depiction of minors, and suggestive sexual violence. Most folks, literally most creators, by multiple factors of 10, even in the adult communities, or even in adult, yeah, in the adult communities, have nothing to be concerned about. Okay, uh, there's, a, there's another point here which is, which is interesting, but anyway, I'll save that for a second. I got to admit, as far as who do I think is actually behind this open letters to Patreon, uh, shall we say movement or has concerns over these four changes? Uh, Because, you know, if I heard these four changes, I I wouldn't necessarily, you know, really like have have a okay bestiality. No, not into that. Uh, you know, minors, sexual, you know, sexuality of minors. Nope, definitely not into that. Uh, you know, go go down the list of them. 
I don't really have an issue. Okay. Now, my, <laughs> I'm going to name names. I think, and if you don't know who these people are, um, I think studio, and I haven't seen anybody else talk about this because most of the people behind it have been relatively anonymous, even though you might see who they are in the, in the signers list. But as far as like, who's actually the brains behind setting this up and who has a large enough reach and community to sort of raise a stink. I think it's studio F O W. Now, if you don't know who studio F O W is, they make, uh, uh, they use the, Oh, what the hell is it called in steam? Uh, the team fortress, <laughs> I forget what they call the, the, the engine that, that you can use for that. Uh, but they have like a movie maker software that they use. They make animated porn. Okay. Uh, you know, CGI three, not three D as in like you have to wear three D glasses or something, but you know, full three D CGI animated porn. And they do it of famous characters. Like they'll do it for world of Warcraft. They'll do it, uh, for like the Batman characters. Like there's, you know, they, and they make shorts and they have like uh, raffles that they do on Patreon. They are very, very popular on Patreon. They're a huge creator. I found it interesting that in the open letter to Patreon that they brought up a lot of hints at the people that would be affected are the are exactly like those of studio FOW um, that would be affected by this. And also like, understand, you know, I mean, there's like, there's a Batman one. There's one where Harley Quinn is getting fucked by a dog literally. And you know, there's, and again, number one is bestiality. Like it's sort of hard to believe that anybody would even be kind of engaging in that. Uh, but you know, they went for clarity. Studio FOW still has their, their Patreon page up. Okay. Uh, I don't know that it was ever down because I didn't, you know, it wasn't until I thought about it for a couple days. I'm like, wait, all right. So who's behind this? You know, who, who's really concerned about this? And, and I think it's them because like <laughs> everything that, that is talked about is in their movies. But now here's the catch. And that's why it's interesting that in Jack Conti's uh, uh, response email, you know, he brings up the point that it's real people engaging in sexual acts. Here's the thing in studio FOW's works. It's not real people. You know, I mean, it's some of the most quote unquote depraved and whatever else you, you know, whatever other terms you want to use for it, uh, you know, stuff out there. And I'm not saying it's all like grotesque or anything. I mean, you know, this gets into some pretty heady, like, I think, ethical and philosophical questions over like, you know, if a demon looks a lot like a goat or something. Right. But it's clearly meant to, to represent the demonic. Is that bestiality when it's say fucking, you know, a Kunuichi or something, you know, the, you know, some female ninja or, or whatever. I mean, like, is it, you know, the, I mean, a lot of people ask the question, is that bestiality? And, you know, so I could see studio FOW was probably freaking the fuck out. Okay. Over, over what's, what's being put here. Uh, now they go on. So just to say, you know, who's kind of behind this. Um, and, and that's, yeah. I mean, and then they brought up about how, you know, there's a lot of cosplay models that will send, you know, nude, uh, uh, signed photos to patrons and all this. And certainly that goes on and, and where's the harm in that? And I, I don't think there's actually any harm in that in what Jack Conti, uh, laid out. So, uh, Jack Conti says that, look, we've also put in place and some of this is, I feel like at first blush, the right moves where he says, we're not going to put it in a place where you don't, where we, you don't get your money. Okay. We just, you know, and it's all going to be case by case which case by case is important. And, and that's, what's been going on. And look, that that is, I think people might freak out over, wait a minute. Why is it case by case? It should be one rule. It should be one set of rules that applies to everybody. No, no, because guess what? The human condition 
which art is the ultimate expression of the human condition. And I've said this for years. This is nothing new, certainly not for me. I mean, it, it might be something new for you to hear, but you know, everything is case by case. Everything is shades of gray. You know, that's the only way you can really get to the bottom of everything. Like there aren't like these wonderful set of rules that apply to everybody. And if you think so, well, then, you know, you're as bad as Silicon Valley trying to program everybody. Okay. Everything is case by case. And if Patreon is a small enough company to where they can do that, good. Yeah, take down Lauren Southern's account. Take down whoever I don't care. You know, pick pick the pick the libertarian hero and take their take their page down. I don't care. Go case by case. I shouldn't say libertarian. I should say bordertarians. I should say people that 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 want to uh people that want to keep the market from operating, you know, maybe letting people cross borders and do business with you. People that, that think that somehow because you're, you're white, you're better than other people. Okay. Whatever. Uh, I mean, you know, people, they want to defend Europe. Oh, wait a minute. I thought Europe was like socialist heaven. I, I don't understand. What are you defending? You idiots. But anyway, uh, there was a response to what Jack Conti had to say. Um, and, and let, let's read into that. So, and this is directly from uh, an open letter to patreon.com quote, we've read the email from Jack Conti. It continues to exemplify the exact problems we are writing about in our open letter. And in fact, makes them worse. He both moves to come out strongly against specific forms of expression, such as quote, real people engaging in sexual acts and quote, uh, Stanley breaking in for a second. Again, they concentrate on that. That's because that's studio FOW's kind of playground where, okay, so great. These, they're not going to go after real people. Uh, so maybe they're off the hook, but anyway, reading on while going on at length about how good a home Patreon is to creators. And if we don't agree, it's a good home. It's okay because it only affects, quote, very few creators, end quote. We will continue to stand in solidarity with any creator on the platform creating legal content and continue to demand that Patreon revise its stance to allow any legal adult content within a safe space on their site. We are sorry to hear that the way his company has handled our community bugs him, but it's hard for us to have empathy for those in power while we are fighting simply to be heard, create, and survive. Now, they're being a little ridiculous there. Okay. Uh, because again, if anybody told me and, and wanted to write an open letter to Brian Sovereign and, and I had some kind of service like this, Jack is a much nicer guy than I would have been, <laughs> you know, when it, when it comes to a lot of this stuff now. Yeah. I mean, there, it's true that, that there's some power to the quote unquote creator or maybe worker. If you want to, you know, go in line with that, uh, where, Hey, we're the ones making you all the money here. And in fact, the ball, and I'd love to see the numbers. In fact, I bet the numbers are, are pre- Here's the thing, as far as like the amount of money that gets made um, by by creators for Patreon, because, again, Patreon only makes money if creators are delivering great shit and they're getting paid for it. OK, well, that's not the only way they make money, but that's the primary way. And that's, you know, what they tell you anyway. I would bet that, you know, let's go with the Pareto principle or something, 80, 20, right? 80 percent is what could easily be defined as, you know, pornography or sex work or something along those lines, that that's what 80 percent of the money get that gets made on Patreon. So Jack's got to be real careful here. And 20% is by the more honest or, or the more, uh, uh, the ones that, that can, that can fit in within these little niches that, that so many conservatives want people to exist within. Okay. Uh, so, you know, he's, he's really got to be careful here. And again, I think that's why he was sweating because he know, and that's why he responded to this because he knows, uh, sex works where all the money comes from. But, I do think you're being a little ridiculous when you're saying, well, he's the one in power, blah, blah. No, no, no. The creators could go make their own shit. Uh, 
You you ultimately you all creators ultimately have the problem because without creators, Patreon dies. Okay, uh, yeah, they're in control of you know the in some to some degree the purse strings, uh, but. You know, if anything, this is a call for for making alternative platforms that are based on cryptocurrencies that where the the purse strings can't so much be controlled. But anyway, uh, let me read a little bit more. It would be an exaggeration to say that Patreon's move today is the exact opposite of what we asked for. Patreon is saying that they believe sex workers unable to change or censor their work to fit new requirements should lose their income and the legal expressions of sexual creativity do not have a home on their platform. This. So that's the funny thing, like rape or I mean, sexual violence is a very broad term. Uh, or suggestive sexual violence is a very broad term, but that's effectively going at rape, bestiality, rape and uh, in minor, you know, and, and, and sex of minors and all like those. I don't think those are really legal anywhere. Um, so anyway, let me let me read on uh, this. This email exemplifies the mentality of Patreon and other tech companies that their image, perhaps to investors or banking partners, is more important than the well-being of the legal content creators who rely on Patreon as a source of income and one of the only, quote, safe uh, spaces for us. We will continue collecting support and we'll think about our next steps as unified creators. If you'd like to stand in solidarity, you can do so here. So this is, you know, this this is kind of tough, right? Uh, Because... Yeah, free speech. If you give a shit about free speech, well, free speech includes a lot of ugly things, doesn't it? Um, I do not support the the four things that 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 Jack uh, listed off that they they specifically uh, you know went went after uh, you know and, and and made and clarified in their you know in their guidelines specifically incest, uh, bestiality, sexual depiction of minors, and suggestive uh, sexual violence. I, I mean. You know, who, who's going to argue for those? Well, no, don't don't. I shouldn't say that. I've heard. Sadly, I've heard plenty of people, even in the communities like the liberty minded communities that I hang in, that are totally supportive of that, including uh, sadly, you know, including the sexual depiction of minors, uh, which, you know, might be the most egregious. Um, yeah, I, I mean, th- this is look, folks, this, this in, in a very real sense, this is his call. You know, and and the, the clarification of what's going on here. I mean, there's some things I still feel like some of these terms aren't exactly clarified, and I still think they could do a much better job of clarifying. But I actually think Patreon is responding and, and they're kind of doing it on the up and up. And they already said, hey, look, you know, we're not going to like put you out on the streets. I think I think they genuinely give a shit. I think they genuinely care. OK, <laughs> because I mean, one of the ways that you become an excellent creator, in my opinion, like a, like a really dynamic creator is by having a lot of empathy. So I don't, you know, and then look, I'm not here to like defend Patreon or something. I I'll stand by, I'll sign, you know, I signed it and I'll stand by what I signed. But I think that Patreon is taking some proper steps. And part of the reason they're doing that is because a bunch of us signed this petition. I, I, I wholeheartedly believe that. Okay. Um, I mean, and, and it says a lot more like it, it, <laughs> I think Patreon is kind of in many ways, sort of a microcosm in, in some ways. And I think that's why the reaction is so strong from some people, uh, especially like, you know, using notions of, well, Jack's the one with all the power. How can we empathize with him? Blah, blah, blah. I think it's kind of a microcosm because, you know, whether you like it or not, like pornography, sex work and all this different stuff. I mean, this makes the world go round. And I know most of you don't want to admit it, but it does. And this is where a lot of the money comes from sometimes in very ugly ways like sex trafficking, which I do not, you know, obviously I'm not defending uh, sexual slavery, things like all this, you know, the stuff that I, I absolutely do not support whatsoever. Uh, kidnapping, you know, and I mean, all that shit's horrendous, but let us be clear that sex is what really makes all of this go round. Um, and 
yeah, I mean, like, like there, there is this very real world struggle with, okay, well, that's how most of the money actually gets made, or that's the main driver for so many people. But then we want to legislate against it and keep it from being such a public thing. You know, how do we handle this? Uh, I mean, what's happening with Patreon is very much in microcosm, but the amazing thing is, is that, you know, a lot of these people and look, I appreciate, I mean, I, I don't know that I agree that, that they need to keep saying like, well, they're deciding how they want to go forward, but they didn't buy, you know, I, I think they're being a little, little harsh with Jack. In my opinion, I think Jack was really trying something there. That's just my opinion. You can disagree with it. And, and I would be open to your disagreement. Okay. But, um, I think that, it shows that, well, when the creators like, you know, kind of kind of stand up and say, hey, oh, wait a second, you don't get to do this to us, you know, and 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 you have the and when you see it in microcosm, I mean, it really shows like in the world how it could happen is that, you know, if, if people just finally said, yeah, you know, no, that's enough, then it, it, would, it would it could actually change things. Potentially it could change things. And, you know, that has nothing to do with voting. That has nothing to do with, you know, really writing your congressman or any horseshit like that. It's just like, OK, no, you need to stop or, or you know, we're, we're just we'll walk away or we're going to create the worst PR nightmare you, you could ever imagine, you know, with with Jack Conti and, you know, and yeah. So kudos to the people that stood up against it. I'm glad Jack got out in front on this. Um, so, you know, one of the I said I wanted to to address this and boy, you know, am I going to get to the Amazon key thing? I need to get to that. I'm going to have to cut out some other segments. OK. Um, one of the, uh, what I got messaged to me on Sarah Ha was when I complained about with Facebook, where there was a, there was a time where they weren't, they, they banned my account and they weren't letting me upload. And all it was, was, uh, I mean, the, the first picture had some nudity in it, but it was genuinely, it was literally like a piece of art. Like it was, you know, painted art. Okay. And all it was, was nudity. It, there was nothing, there wasn't even sex going on. Um, and then, you know, the fall, when my account came back after 24 hours or however long it was, then I tried posting a picture of two women completely fully clothed that were kissing. And it was art. It was like drawn art. It was in fact, it was two X, uh, X men or X women, if you want to go that route. Uh, and they wouldn't let me post it. And I was just like, what the fuck is this? And I and I complained about it in a recent episode of Sovereign Tech. I don't know, it was maybe five, six, seven episodes ago. And someone messaged me on Sarah Ha and said, see, now don't you feel bad for Lauren Southern for her getting banned off of Patreon? Because, you know, now you know how it feels when it's content that, that you care about. Okay. No, I don't feel bad for Lauren Southern. What I was doing harms no one. I did it in the most, I, I mean, the Sovereign Tech Uncensored group is a secret fucking group. That was one of my biggest problems with this is like, look, okay, I didn't put it out in the open. I made sure nobody, you know, the only people that could get in there is if they go through so many steps, there were so many degrees that you even have to go through. You have to friend me, you have to message me to where you could, and then you have to pass, you know, my own little sniff test to if you could even get into the Sovereign Tech Uncensored Facebook group. Okay. And if I felt like even remotely that you were somebody that, that couldn't handle the sexuality that gets expressed or whatever, uh, you know, even in an art form, like as an animated drawn, okay, that, that gets put on in there and there's certainly nothing like what Patreon's talking about bestiality inside I mean none of that's there okay I make sure okay I went to my dark corner you feel better I went to my dark corner and even in that dark corner I wasn't allowed to express myself so I got pissed off but it doesn't harm anybody do you understand it doesn't harm a single fucking person what Lauren Southern does what a lot of these other fucking alt-right pieces of shit and you know and, and, and whatever else what they do that kills people Harms or kills. What I did does nothing. 
In fact, it celebrates life instead of taking it. And there's no suggestion of, oh, well, you know, I'll, uh, uh, well, whatever. I'm not, not even going to go there. So, no, no, I feel no sympathy for these people. Do you, do you get that? They, th- there's, there's plenty of platforms that they could use. Like, like I said, I mean, even these people here, same deal. Okay, if what you were making before, and boy, if it's any of the four things he listed off, fuck you too. Okay, but, you know, if you're, if you're making this shit, well, then, then, then figure out some kind of implementation, uh, you know, using some kind of cryptocurrency or something, and then nobody can stop you. No, I feel no sympathy for, for anyone that is interested in, 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 in harming people, that is, that is threatening people, uh, that, that, oh man. I could go, I could go on and on. I mean, and even Lauren Southern, you know, I, I've, I've heard, I've heard things that like, she doesn't even write her own shit. She doesn't even know what the fuck she's doing. Like she, she has like these middle-aged guys that write it all for her and do everything for her. Like, like she, she's literally just, you know, quote unquote, the pretty face put up. And I don't even think she's that, but that's, that's personal taste. She's no friend. And, and I, oh, and I remember the person even said, it's like, no, she's just, yeah, fine. She's not an anarchist. She's not a libertarian. This person admitted that. And then they, you know, that, that wrote to me and then, but said, but she's a, she's a friend of cryptocurrency. Yeah. I imagine she could be because that's the only place she will probably have left to, you know, spew her hatred and, uh, you know, and whatever else. Okay. But, um, she's no friend of mine. And, uh, I think it would be a death knell if any cryptocurrency like tried to associate with her. Uh, especially when a lot of the crypto space is trying to get into the uh, countries and and uh, and work with the you know migrants and whoever else, which are the very people she's trying to kill or keep out of her life, which they're not in her fucking life. <laughs> come on. But they're rapists. They're going to come into Europe. Are you kidding? Well, then are you going to do something about the rapists in America? Because the percentage of rape in America is is ridiculously higher than it is in Europe. I'd like Europe's. Uh, uh, look, I'm not saying I like rape. I'm saying I would feel more comfortable if the rape uh, rates were as low in America as they are in Europe. What the hell are you talking about that there's rapists coming in there? Why don't you deal with the ones at home? If that's your biggest fucking concern. It's because it's not what it's about. It's not about freedom. It's not about cryptocurrency. It's not about anything. I don't, I don't know what the fuck it is. I, I don't know. People just, I guess, just, just want to get laid with, with her for some goddamn reason. I, I just, I don't, I don't understand. But no, I have no sympathy for her. Let's make that very clear. And for very obvious reasons, she spews hate, genetic nonsense, scientific nonsense, I mean, and, and, who, and nationalism. I mean, all of these things that I'm so completely against. And, and oh, no. I don't feel bad for her at all. And people, I mean, literally there are people dying every year because of the organizations that she supports, like defend Europe and whatever else. Nope. Sorry. Yeah. Get her the fuck off of Patreon. Get her off of everything. I don't care. I mean, you know, I mean, like this is the thing, right? (laughs) You can... I guess, you know, you could spend your, you could spend billions of dollars. In fact, there was an awesome, there was an awesome video that was put out by a guy, an independent guy, or maybe it wasn't independent, but anyway, it was, it was drone footage of the wall, the experimental walls that they're messing with. I think it was around uh, uh, somewhere in California where they were testing out, you know, Trump's wall to keep all those dirty Mexicans out, which, yeah, right. <laughs> those dirty Mexicans. You know how many Americans I have to look at that don't wash their fucking hands? 
fucking gross. Try dirty Americans. Anyway, this drone footage just shows, like, it, it, it's so brilliant. If I, if I could think it to put the link in the show notes, I mean, it just shows how useless these things are. I mean, because even the drones, like, oh, this will stop the drugs from getting in. Well, it doesn't stop the drone. The drone could just drop off the drugs. <laughs> you know? it, it was so beautiful to look at, and everybody knew. They're like, wow, this is, this is fucking pointless. You know, so you can spend, you can waste billions of dollars. You can waste, you know, moments of your life saying, let's build this wall. We got to do the wall. We got we to gotta get in boats and keep people from coming over. Or maybe you could try to understand people. Maybe you could get along with other cultures, learn to coexist, learn to understand each other. The amount of time it's going to take you to build that wall, you could maybe learn another language and maybe you'd have a better understanding of, of, of where these people are coming from. Or you could learn a little uh, genuine history about what's going on, where they're coming from, and then maybe you could understand their mindsets a little bit better. Maybe you could do that. I don't know. I mean, I know it's a peaceful solution. You know, I know it's one that doesn't require theft, as in taking money from people, as in taxation is theft. It doesn't require that. Maybe you could think about doing that. But no, instead, she's a friend of cryptocurrency. Okay. Sounds totally worth it to me. I don't know. I'd find somebody else. It's a very expensive friend to have. Are you going to pay for that wall with cryptocurrency? Seriously, tell me that. You fucking, anyone, anybody out there, anybody hearing the sound of my voice, you write me in and you tell me you'd pay for that wall with Bitcoin. And then let's find Satoshi Nakamoto and let's tell him, hey, your creation is going to get funded. Uh, your is going to be used to, to, to fund a fucking wall to keep people from, from crossing borders and doing business and living life. How do you feel about that? I bet Satoshi Nakamoto would shit his pants. Saying, what the hell did you do? Poor shit. I'll be right back with some more Sound We will try to calm this down. Ooh, baby. You know, we just mentioned cryptocurrency. Let me tell you about a cryptocurrency where I know the team personally. And these are guys and gals, they've got it. They understand the principles. They know that cryptocurrency can be this freeing force for everybody. This team, this cryptocurrency that I'm talking about is Zen, Zencash. Awesome, awesome technology. It uses, you know, earlier I was talking about that book, Serious Cryptography. Uh, you know, talk about Serious Cryptography. Zero knowledge proofs. ZK Snarks, a tremendous technology. A genuine, I say this every time, it is a scientific breakthrough. You, th- those, ter- those are not like terms that I use. This is a scientific breakthrough in cryptography that this uh, that Zencash is taking advantage of. I am so excited to have them as a sponsor on Sovereign Tech because they get it. It's they're, you know, this is a team of people that understand uh, freedom. They understand liberty. They understand the importance of having encrypted, secure money and communications because it's more than just money. Zen is Zen is going. I mean, they're going all out. OK, they, they want this is going to be an entire platform where there's secure messaging, encrypted messaging, you know, all kinds of things that you can do on this. It's really exciting. I want you to go to their website, zensystem.io. OK, get the hookup with them, figure it out. They just had a fantastic rise. There was a great report uh, done on them where they're expecting, I mean, just a crazy billion dollar market cap. I mean, it's, it's, it's awesome because people get it. They see this. They know it's a serious technology it has a great plan, a great idea. Go ahead, read the white paper. They just had their new uh, their official swing wallet come out, uh, which I have tested out. It's cross platform. It is beautifully done and it works very, very well. You can send shielded transactions just like you would with Zcash and all. That. In fact, it's based off of, you know, a lot of what Zcash is doing, which we're big fans of Zcash here as well. And that's the beauty thing. That's the beautiful thing. In money, in cryptocurrency, in technology, you want a multi, you want it to be multicultural. You want it, you don't want a monoculture of money. Okay. So you want all of these. You want Zencash. You want you want all of them. They can all coexist. You get it? 
You don't have to pick teams. They can all coexist. And Zen, but Zencash is one team that I'm more than happy to support. Uh, and, and I am honored uh, that they sponsor Sovereign Tech. So go to it, zensystem.io, and I cannot thank Zencash enough uh, for being on board. And in fact, you can, if you look in the show notes, you can donate Zencash to Sovereign Tech. That's how much uh, I personally believe. And, and you know, you know how I don't take cryptocurrencies lightly. I, there's four or five that I ever pick out that, that I think are worth my time. Okay. This is one of them. Understand that. All right. And so, yeah, and grab their new wallet. It's beautiful, easy to use, and you could donate to the show to Sovereign Tech if you like. Let's get back to the show, but thank you to Zencash for sponsoring Sovereign Tech. Hack sec. Ooh, it is time for hack sec. Man, is this, <laughs> this feels like the Sovereign Tech days of old where I'm just, I'm just fired up like the whole time and just, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> If you're a new listener, hey, I told you last week, I said, you are in for a wild, wild ride. And there's things I'm not even going to be able to get into. I wanted to talk more about CoinHive. I think that this is really kind of a game-changing thing uh, that takes advantage of Monero. You know, speaking of other uh, cryptocurrencies that that have that, that ethos of, you know, privacy, security, encryption, all that. Um, I didn't even get to get into that. So, but I want to talk about this Amazon key thing. And then I have a review that I want to do. Uh, so, and then, you know, we're running out, <laughs> we're running out of time. Uh, but anyway, so a uh, life hacker actually of all things did a very, very interesting, uh, write up about, uh, about the Amazon key. And so I'm going to read from that and then I'll talk about it, but their title says it all why you shouldn't get Amazon key right now. Now, Personally, I would say never, but they're saying right now, but let's read on. This week, Amazon announced Amazon Key, a new option that allows for delivery when you're not home by giving drivers a special digital key. Now, we actually talked about this, that, and they already released the security cameras and everything. Um, It was leaked kind of ahead of time that there are three new products coming out from Amazon. We talked about this maybe a month or two ago uh, on Sovereign Tech, where there was the, the camera, the uh potentially the lock. And then there was um, the glasses, which the glasses haven't been unveiled yet, but considering how the others were so spot on, I imagine the glasses will be coming, which that that'll be a whole other conversation. Certainly. So uh, let's read on here with the help of a compatible smart lock and security camera delivery drivers will be able to unlock your front door and walk inside to deliver your package all while you watch from your smartphone. If you value convenience over security, then by all means, knock yourself out. Stallion breaking in. Okay. They brought it up that I have to bring this up all the time. There is a, always a trade-off. Okay. It's like the, it, it should be one of the laws of thermodynamics, not the first law of thermodynamics, which is you don't talk about thermodynamics. So, which I'm breaking that one. No, that's not the first law of thermodynamics, but, <laughs> but, uh, um, but it should be a law of thermodynamics that you are always going, there's always a trade-off between convenience and security. Always, 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 always. It doesn't matter. Okay. Even with signal, when we've talked about this, I'm not going to rehash it. Okay. There's always a trade-off between convenience and security. Uh, then by all means, knock yourself out. But the security risks, privacy concerns, and creepy image analysis details are enough of uh, that it's likely the safer bet to hold off, at least until you see how the early versions of the technology play out. After your smart lock and cloud cam are installed, the package courier theoretically subject uh, the pack or let's see, after your, your smart lock and cloud and cloud cam are installed, the package courier theoretically subject to background checks beforehand by Amazon. Great keyword there, theoretically. <laughs> 
unlocks your door and drops your box inside your home. The cloud cam monitors the entire transaction and lets you watch the watch the delivery live from your smart smartphone if you so choose. While Amazon Key will, in theory, ensure you get your deliveries without having to worry about being home, the company also wants customers to use the smart lock for smart lock for a wider range of purposes, such as giving friends, family, or house sitter uh, or a house sitter temporary access. This all sounds well and good for the seemingly utopian society Amazon apparently believes we all inhabit. Stanley breaking in for a second there. That's what I was talking about earlier, how these people live in a completely different world than the real world going on. But there are simply too many ways this can go awry, whether via the actual hardware or the actions of people allowed into your home. Leaked camera footage, failing servers. It wouldn't be the first time Amazon went down unexpectedly, which, by the way, just like we were talking about earlier with uh, the Mirai bot or the Reaper botnet, that could shut down all of these smart locks and cameras. But it could shut it down to where somebody would be able to get in because the smart lock's dead or in some kind of loop. And these smart locks and cameras also become attack vectors. Or, reading on, or brazen burglars ignoring the camera altogether and forcing you to file a claim with Amazon are just a few of the ways Amazon Key can end up being more of a hassle than a help. Uh, Smart locks, though an appealing option, are still in their infant stages. Security experts aren't completely sold on them, myself included. Uh, Stanley breaking in. But anyway, uh, due to security flaws that could leave your home, you more vulnerable than you'd be using a traditional lock than if you were using a traditional lock. In fact, a smart lock malfunction happened earlier this year when hundreds of Airbnb guests using lock state smart locks found themselves unable to enter their rented abodes thanks to a botched firmware update. It isn't too much of a stretch to think a faulty Amazon key update could allow anyone to access the inside of your home or bar you from getting inside yourself. So Stanley breaking in for a second here. And we'll get into the cloud cam part of this. Okay, but this this is like the number one point, you know, and it was the first thing I thought of when when they announced the Amazon key is that, oh, wait a second. (laughs) You know, how many times has, you know, your accounts online been broken into? Well, guess what? This the same thing would be, you know, the the same principle, because now your uh, door lock is effectively running off of the same servers that whatever account you happen to have leaked or, you know, was, was broken into or something, or somebody got your password or whatever. I mean, this is how this stuff works. And there wasn't like an explanation of, you know, is there some kind of, uh, uh, you know, cryptography involved? Uh, you know, I mean, there will be some kind of cryptography involved, but like, is, is there some kind of security, uh, uh, you know, kind of like, uh, I don't know how Apple claims that they handle the, um, you know, how they handle fingerprints and everything. Like, will all this be done locally? No. I mean, it kind of can't be if you're going to allow so many people to get in there. This this really has to be done over the cloud. Um, but yeah, I mean, just one bad firmware update and you're fucked. Just like on your computer. One bad firmware update and suddenly, you know, there's there's uh, there's an exploit where people could, could do an injection attack on your computer and take over your entire machine. But now it's your home. Now, there's a there's an important point to bring up here. There's a reality check that nobody's really describing here because, you know, a lot of tech news and sometimes myself included could fall under this, even though I don't do it. uh, Certainly, I don't do it on purpose. Um, But, you know, reality check door locks, traditional door locks. The only the only people they stop are, are really like, you know, your your honest, humble people. You know, it doesn't really stop thieves. Uh, thieves are, you know, if they want to get into your home, they're going to get into your home. I mean, that that's that's just a reality. You know, uh, the best the best security system that you can buy and any honest security expert would tell you this. The best security you can buy is a dog. A well-trained dog is just bar none. 
the best <laughs> the best security that you can have because you know it'll even try to protect you from uh, from from what conventional society may not think is uh, or you know may not think is is somehow uh, you know the bad guy like maybe police officers yeah it could defend you against them too maybe that's why they get shot by police officers unfortunately so I mean that's really your best bet. You know, it's something that because a dog can't exactly be hacked. Not exactly. I mean, you can say, oh, well, I'll just throw it some meat and then the thief can get in. Usually if it's a trained security dog or dog that has home security in mind and they I mean, these things, you know, you, you spend tens of thousands of dollars on this kind of training for a dog. No, sorry. Uh, you know, that thief's not going to get around this. All <laughs> right. I mean, it's just not it's not going to happen. So. um, Yeah, I mean, I mean, a smart lock isn't necessarily any better than a traditional lock and a traditional lock isn't necessarily any better than a smart lock. The thing is, is that a smart lock could frankly like make it, it could make it easier. Like it could be easier to get into a house with a smart lock than it is with a, uh, with a traditional lock. So because of that, or at the very least it could allow you to get into a home because with a traditional lock, yeah, you could usually break in, but there'd be sign of signs of your breaking and entering as to where with a smart lock, there may be no signs that somebody actually entered in. Um, so, you know, I mean, that, that's kind of the problem here is that if it's easier to steal, if it's easier to break into a home, the argument goes is that people, more people will break into those homes. Um, I don't know that that's necessarily true, but I mean, these are points that are worth bringing up. Okay. But this is a twofold process. And so we need to get into the second part of this process, which is the Amazon cloud cam. Uh, and that's where this all becomes a really bad idea as well. I mean, to say nothing of the firmware updates, which is a totally solid point to bring up. Uh, Cloud Cam is always watching. If you're comfortable with having a voice assistant like the Amazon Echo in your home listening to your conversations, the Cloud Cam won't be that odd to you. When it's on, the Cloud Cam constantly records and erases footage stored on the camera itself. Stanley breaking in, which is the same way that Amazon Echo works for your voice. Fine. Reading on. Should it detect motion, the footage of your home is uploaded to Amazon servers for image analysis to determine whether or not detected activity is worth your attention or if it's just the dog walking by. By using the Cloud Cam, by the way, if you have the dog, just get it trained. You don't need the Cloud Cam, but let's go on by using the cloud cam you're allowing amazon to quote process and retain your recordings in the cloud to private uh to provide and improve our services end quote actions most would rather not have done to video footage of their foyer or of their yeah of their foyer the bottom line here is that amazon key relies on two pieces of technology with security issues that should give consumers pause neither a smart lock nor a cloud connected camera grant enough peace of mind to consider signing up for the service right now Now, look, there are I mean, I'm not saying having security cameras around your house and having them accessible via the cloud are a bad idea. Um, I don't I don't think that they are. Okay, Uh, in fact, I I know companies that that do it and they have the absolute best uh, uh, intentions and best thing in mind and they do great work uh, with it. So I'm not against the idea of having cloud cameras per se. Here's the thing. This is what's very different is that. These are going to go to Amazon. It's not going to any kind of like private server where you have actual control of the data. You are going to have to trust that Amazon will delete that data uh, when they say that they do, which that's a pretty big fucking ask. Okay, Uh, granted, you'd have to trust just about any company with that. But there's 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 ways you could set up a really nice security system in your home where you have absolute total control and you could still have access to it over the Internet. Okay, Um, you know, where if you were away and you wanted to look at it on your smartphone. I mean, this isn't exactly new. Like you have the ring. There's other concepts that are kind of similar, like the ring video doorbell, where the idea is, is that you could, it has a camera at your door where you could interact uh, with people. 
and you know, that are dropping a delivery and you can just say, oh yeah, please just drop it off right there. Now that's a little more palatable because you're not letting anybody into your home. Okay. Uh, or if you do want to let them into your home, maybe you can tell them where the secret key is, you know, that's, that's under the, the, the rug or something, you know, under the, I don't know, under some plant outside or some shit like that. Okay. That's, that's a little more palatable to this. Again, I'm not saying that security cameras and also, please don't, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that these are bad ideas. I'm saying having all this and kind of where they are, because this cloud cam, again, these are going to be people delivering stuff into your home. So the cloud cam needs to be looking into your home which is a little bit different than a lot of security camera setups that, that work for homes. Most of those are aiming outside or maybe looking in the baby's room, but that's about it. All right. Um, you know, but then you're giving all that to Amazon, which how much more do they need? But let's understand that, you know, you have this announcement coming out at the same time that Amazon is announcing a worker force. I mean, they, they sort of already had it for a while, but where you could have people come in and they could set up your TV and, and do whatever else. OK, uh, for you. So they need to for insurance purposes, the real reality around why they're doing this, OK, is because for insurance purposes, they they need to be able to prove and don't think that they can't replace the video footage or do some kind of, you know, bullshit trickery. We know that kind of crap can happen. You know, police do it all the time, um, you know, where, where they can say if somebody claims that, oh, well, this Amazon worker that came in, uh, you know, scratched my floor or something like that. And but this way, Amazon can say, no, actually, we have no sign of that because, we, you know, we have this high def 4K camera that that shows that n- none of that happened. And you could say that that makes sense. OK, that that's why they're doing this. But understand, I mean, that that that's what this is coming to, to where a person is going to be in your home uh, for quite some time. But it's really getting. I personally feel like it it just and, and hey, in the future, maybe people will be will feel completely differently. In fact, I kind of want to talk about that. But I think this is going too far. OK, you know, you know, what's easier to do, not set up a smart lock, not set up um, a cloud camera and give all of that information and data to uh, to Amazon, which if you think that they won't use that to like learn about your habits and whatever. I mean, that's half of what they do with Alexa so that they have all of this habit data about you and they can use that to you know better advertise to you or better sell shit to you. OK, I mean, if you don't think they're going to do that you know, I, I don't know what to tell you. You, you know, you, you don't have to listen to the show anymore, I guess, because you know, you're, you're in the same world that Amazon kind of exists in, I guess. But, um, I, I think th- this is, this is a little too intrusive, you know, you, you, you I mean, this thing's like going to always be on and, and it, yeah, it'll, supposedly it'll delete it right away. Uh, but also understand we've already had the cases where law enforcement has asked for Alexa data Amazon has claimed they did, they didn't hand it over, but it's a matter of time before they have to. And uh, before, you know, just like we were talking about earlier with these VPN companies who claim they, they did zero logs. And these are just little VPN companies. Yeah, I think Amazon would hold on to the shit and eventually it could be used used against you in a court of law, just like your log, just like the logs of the VPNs is being done. Real quick on that with the VPN thing. This is why I've recommended like with private Internet access that you pay for it with Bitcoin or, you know, uh, whatever cryptocurrency you want to use. You pay for it with Bitcoin. You use a bullshit email address. You anonymize yourself that it's your account. That way people, you know, don't necessarily, you know, don't keep an eye on it. If you really, if you're that majorly concerned and you're buying stuff that, uh, you know, may not look favorable in a court of law, just putting it that way. Okay. Uh, you know, take the extra steps when it comes to that. Anyway, back to, back to Amazon. Now, there's an argument for and supposedly there's a movement for this. I I thought that I was seeing it for a while, but now I don't think it exists. There's an argument for what's called radical transparency. OK, 
uh, and supposedly the youngins, the millennials and whoever else, which technically I'm a millennial, but whatever, uh, you know, the youngins were really into this where they just record every little bit of their lives. Um, then they found out their parents could see it. And I think that all changed. And then they found out like that schools see it. And then I think that all changed. I mean, like it's just not going to it's not going to hold water. okay? (laughs) not not while we live in a society where, uh, you know, you have to act like a librarian most of the time, but you really want to act like a stripper. And I mean that both male, female and Z. okay? or all three. I don't just that that's just not meant to be, you know, something about women. Right. And when I say you want to act like a stripper, what the hell's wrong with that? Nothing. I want to act like a stripper. That's great. But while we live in a society where you where you know, the social pressures are diametrically opposed from that, even though that's what a lot of people want. I shouldn't say everybody. There's genuinely people that want to be family people and, and you know, live their conservative lives. And that's fine. Go ahead. OK. You know, you have the right to exist as much as I do in my freaky ways. Uh. Yeah, I mean, it, it, like that's just the a lot of these technologies are eventually are just there's either going to be kind of a, a you know a soft rebellion against them or what you know I don't know how exactly that's going to look. Now, if we lived in a world where you know people's desires you know what what or you know their freak flags could fly freely, then you know I don't think there'd be so much uh, against this because this is the thing th- this is this is kind of the, the you know a major point that a lot of people bring up is that. The concern isn't so much about one's privacy. It's what can be done with what can be done, what can be held against, what can be held against them, say, in a court of law when they don't have it. That's the concern that most people have, you know, kind of innately, uh, though. I also think innately people do have a desire for for actual privacy. And, you know, one might be a kissing cousin of the other there. OK, um, whoop, just got banned from Patreon for incest, maybe on that one. Mm. <laughs> but my point um, is that, you know, yeah, if we lived in a world where people could freely express themselves and they weren't, they didn't have like social pressures, social mores and norms uh, put against them that eventually turn into laws, uh, you know, and, and you could go to jail for whatever the hell you're you know doing because you wanted to have anal sex in Oklahoma or something, um, you know, and that was considered so bad. You know, and I, I'm just picking states and acts. Don't you know? I'm not saying that that's that's true, uh, that that's a problem there. But you know, then then maybe people would find this kind of stuff a little more palatable. You know, but we don't live in that world. We we just we just don't. And so yeah, this this kind of shit is absolute anathema. And people might think it's cool and might buy into it now, but just give it a little bit of time. One wrong firmware update, one court case. And I think people will will just chuck this shit and, and Amazon's going to have to deal with that reality, you know, and see what happens. So but the, but this is ridiculous. You know, I mean, you don't want this. There, there's no there's no security to be had here. I, I told you what the best security is. Uh, and like we've been saying this whole show, you know, you get what you pay for. And if you're paying for Amazon to secure your house, uh, what are these things selling for? A hundred bucks, a couple hundred bucks at best. That is not a worthy investment. Sorry. Real security costs money. It costs a lot of money. And and it, and it takes experts and people to do it right, not Amazon. So moving along uh, to our last bit. And boy, I only have like, like 10 minutes left. Fuck. <laughs> uh, uh, I do want to mention quickly, you know, if you want to keep an eye on cryptocurrency, something that actually has some security in mind and usually has entire security teams behind it, which, woohoo, bravo, uh, you want to. Uh, go to CryptoCompare.com and 
just keep that tab open. Keep an eye on that price of Zencash. Keep an eye on the price of Zcash, of you know, Monero, Litecoin, Bitcoin, whatever you want to keep an eye on. Keep an eye on that stuff and keep an eye out for the latest news that's going on with all of that and watch trends and everything. Get social with it. Go to CryptoCompare.com. It is in many ways for me the premier site um, on cryptocurrencies to go to. And they, they cover you know anything that matters. They're on it. And uh, I just, I, again, I always keep that tab open. So, okay. Woo, switching it up, baby. Uh, <laughs> also, boy, I've saw some more amazing pictures just real quick i saw some amazing pictures. hell I, look I'm, I'm not boasting i took one of myself but whatever <laughs> of people wearing your sovereign tech gear your sovereign tech swag awesome just go to store.sovereigntech.com if you want to get your hands on that store.sovereigntech.com that'll get you your hookup these are great shirts in fact hell mine i i wore, wore an xl and man it fit me beautifully uh stephanie's looked great on her uh seen some others it just looked i mean people are looking so beautiful uh, you know, wearing this stuff. I, I, I love seeing it. So, and feel free to share a picture with me if you want. Um, and I'll, I'll get it shared around if you want me to share it around. Otherwise I will not do so. Uh, okay. Cause I actually care about your privacy. Unlike other people who, you know, just want to make sure that they can get their box in there. I mean, yeah, like I get it why Amazon's doing this. Certainly there's a degree of self-preservation all the way around because, you know, Amazon wants to have this delivery in your house because they probably have to deal with so many claims, uh, real or not, where people are saying that their their boxes, you know, their deliveries were stolen right off their front doorstep. It really happens. Okay. I mean, and it really does happen. And I think that the, also there are plenty of cases where people are lying and bullshitting that, that, it, that it happened. Uh, but Amazon, you know, has to treat the customer well. And so this is one way to, to kind of like solve that. I can understand that aspect of where they're coming from. Um, I just don't think it's a really great solution. Okay. If Amazon really want a solution like that, then, you know, spend the sell people, a lockbox in front of their house or something. I don't know. I mean, that's, I'm not even like going there and thinking that, uh, that is such there. You really have to, to, to get to the bottom of that. You have to do the Steve jobs. Uh, why do we need a sofa kind of question? Okay. Like, why is this happening in the first place? And you need, you know, why are, why are these things again stolen from front doors and whatever? And, 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 that that is a big question to answer. <laughs> so all this shit is just band-aids and some of them just can't hold in the blood. All right. Um, so what I wanted to review quickly, and I actually had a lot of people ask me about it, is my uh, I have a new computer uh, that was actually provided by a Sovereign Tech patron. Um, not cheap. This is how I said earlier that there is no such thing as a $200 computer. There's only a $600 uh, computer that has $400 worth of ad tech on it and $400 of ad tech and security exploits, even though those really should be the same thing. Like ad tech is, is a security exploit, I think, inherently. Uh, in, in more ways than one, but anyway, um, this is, uh, runs this model, I think particularly ran like $700. Uh, so I'm honored obviously that someone, you know, appreciated my work that much. Uh, and it is a gorgeous machine. Okay. The Zen book three by Asus is an attempt and they have, they have higher end models. They have the Zen book pro that has like discrete graphics cards and, and everything. This just has a Core i5. It has uh, the Intel uh, HD620 graphics chip in it. So, you know, it doesn't have a discrete video card. It doesn't even have an Iris chip, which I wish it did. But whatever. I'm not, I'm certainly not going to complain about it, about it. And, and it, it performs beautifully. Uh, but the, but the, the ZenBook line has re- recently been an attempt by Asus to take on Apple. Okay, and so they fetch, they ask for a premium price because you are getting an absolutely premium product. This is full on brushed aluminum, stem to stern. 
And it is a beautiful machine. In fact, I had people at the recent conference I was at, I mean, they looked at it and they said, oh, yeah, I mean, it, it's a showstopper. Like they, they see the computer and they just go, oh, whoa, that is a stunner. And it's small, 12.5 inches. So like it's comparable to what Apple has done with the MacBook. Okay, you know, not the MacBook Pro, just the MacBook. Uh, but it's more powerful than the MacBook. It has more RAM, has an actual Core i5 instead of an M, uh, a Core M inside of it, which uh, the bulk of the, uh, you know, which the MacBooks have last time I knew. And I mean, it, it, in my opinion, it blows away what the MacBook has in almost every regard. Uh, it does have a couple of flaws. The, and these two flaws, one of them the MacBook solves, the other the MacBook also has. Uh, the, the, the flaw that it shares with the MacBook, and it depends on you whether you consider this a flaw, uh, it only has, the only ports it has, it has a 1 8 jack and it has a USB-C port. That's it. There's no USB 3.0. There's no, um, but I mean, but this is a super thin, in fact, it's lighter than the MacBook. It's, only, it's literally only two pounds. Um, it's, in fact, I think it's the lightest like Windows computer available that, that, that you can get it, it, you know, and it's super, super thin. I think it's also thinner than the MacBook as well. It has this beautiful gold trim on it. Oh my, Oh, whew. thank you, Satan. Anyway. Um, yeah. So the, the, the thing that it shares, yeah, it only has the USB C port. That's pretty much all that can fit on there. I mean, because the thing is so slim, I mean, you barely know, like when I toss it into my workout bag, like you forget that it's there. You have no idea. And when you hold it in your hand, I mean, it feels as light as a phone. It's not, but it feels like it. I mean, it is, it is just so, so lightweight. It's amazing. Um, but so, so, so that only having the USB-C port, that means you have to get a dongle, you know, that you plug into it so that you can connect other devices or you need to buy adapters or something. For some, that's a problem. For others, it's not. I mean, most people, when, when that became the case, when, you know, dongle gate, as they called it with the MacBook, became the thing, uh, and then with later uh, Mac products, uh, or Apple products, I should say, uh, but but a lot of people, you know, just said, hey, the MacBook is your second computer, you know, or it's your travel computer or something like that. And if you think about the ZenBook in that way, I mean, the ZenBook 3, that's a great way to think about it uh, as well. Uh, but it, I mean, I think, you know, once you once you connect that one dongle, I mean, most of the time, like so I've been using it for a little while now and it can really do, you know, 90. I mean, it can't play Star Wars Battlefront 2. OK, but. Otherwise, it can do everything that I do, and it does it very, very well. It's very capable. Um, and I find that I don't actually need those ports that often. Um, in fact, I'll talk about, you know, connecting stuff via Bluetooth in, in a minute. Uh, but the second problem that it has, and this is where the MacBook shines, is the MacBook is incredibly quiet. It is a very quiet computer. The ZenBook 3, when you really get it running, like if I open up a, a ZenCash wallet or something like that, or, you know, anything that requires, generally that starts using up a lot of RAM or whatever, and processes, of course, it gets it gets pretty loud. It, like, it's noticeably loud, <laughs> and, and that's a problem. Um, I mean, the, those fans just start whirring. Uh, but, you know, if, I mean, it's not loud enough. Like, if you were in a room where there was an air conditioner running, you wouldn't really hear it. But... It's noticeable when the rest of the time it is so whisper quiet, like it, it's kind of a pity just how just how loud it can get. Uh, that's the only real negative that I have for it, because this thing is tough as nails. Like I said, so, I mean, I have eight gig of RAM, you know, as the core i5, you know, I, I can do podcast editing. I can you know, even a lot of light gaming. I was playing, you know, or not not even just light gaming, like I was playing Wasteland 2 on it and that was doing beautifully. Uh, Mega Man Legacy Collection Volume 2, 
you know, there, there's there's quite a few. I, hell, I was even playing Tie Fighter on it, which that was fucking awesome. Uh, I mean, you you can do serious gaming on it. You know, you can, or some some serious gaming on it. The 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 HD six twenty graphics chip, you know, does does an okay job. Okay, I mean, it does okay. You know, like I said, you're not going to play Mortal Kombat X or something. But again, think of this if you want as a second computer, and if you're not a gamer, it's not a concern at all. Uh, it really can do everything for you. Um, it is so small. You know, I mean, this is I mean, it's not netbook small, but it is very small. And like I said, because it's so light, it just slides away and you're kind of done. And the amazing thing is with this um, has a backlit keyboard. That That's an important thing for me. Uh, just just wanted to mention that as well. Uh, the camera quality is a little rough on it. It does. Uh, the amazing thing I'll get to in a second, but it is a tough as nails computer, because also, even though it's not a touchscreen, it has Gorilla Glass three over the front of it. And all of that, I'm guessing, I mean, and that sucks because it can, it can create a glare. Some people don't mind that often. I don't, but it, it, you know, smudges can be a problem. I mean, I don't know, but, but anyway, but I think they did that just to make this thing so fucking tough so that you really can just toss it in the bag. And that's kind of the amazing thing with this is that, uh, in the Wi-Fi, it does has Mimo. I mean, it just, you know, Wi-Fi is solid. Um, when I have, when I have windows 10 on it, Okay, Uh, I haven't really tested out with Linux, so I can't answer how great Linux support is. Asus is not one of the companies that I think of when I think of having great Linux support, but I don't none of the hardware, you know, should be really be a problem. The the HD 620 graphics is, you know, relatively open source. I mean, that that shouldn't be an issue. Core i5 shouldn't be an issue. Uh, So I, I don't imagine there'd be a problem with it. You know, the only concern, the only roll of the dice ever with if it's not Dell or Lenovo, which have great Linux support. The main concern usually comes down to, the, to does the touchpad work? And I can't say whether or not it does. I, I, I don't know. But but everything else about it other than that touchpad should have no problem running in Linux. So but when I'm running Windows 10 on it, I have to say, so because of UWP, because, you know, you can run mobile apps effectively on there, uh, you know, that are designed for, say, Windows Phone or just designed for UWP in general, like you can run Instagram, you know, you could, I mean, just, just go down the list of all the things you, that, that you can really think of. Um, like I kind of don't need a phone. Now the battery life, they claim like nine hours and I've seen seven or eight, like I've gotten seven or eight out of it, you know, but if you're running a bunch of software, if you have like a bunch of, I don't know, whatever you have running, obviously it can drop down to like three or four, but I, I haven't seen it go, go below three really on, on a heavy load. Um, but you could kind of get rid of the phone. And that's really nice, like because this thing is so fucking light, you can carry it around. And what's nice is, is that say you want to read an article, you know, you can just carry it around and you can read an article on a full size fucking screen instead of on a stupid, you know, on a, on a dumbass little phone screen or something, you know. And uh, for battery life, like I, I've been running Edge on it. I have other browsers on there just in case I need it. And to like run Signal on it, I, uh, you know, I have Chromium in the background. Uh, but that way it's not running all those crazy processes that uh, that Google Chrome does, which drains the fuck out of battery life, at least when you're running Windows, it does. Uh, it, well, it does it for Mac, too. But anyway, um, but yeah, I mean, I can load everything on there and I can interact with 99 percent of what I have on my smartphone that I usually you know want a portable platform for. And it does it so well. And I mean, and it's so nice. And, you know, and I have my I have my Bluetooth headphones and I have like a Bluetooth game controller and I have a Bluetooth mouse and whatever, because I, you know, I still like to use a mouse when I when I'm getting serious and doing serious work. Uh, and, and it just it it's everything like and it just does the job and it does so much of what I want it to do. But then I can just like slip it away and slide away, put it away and it's out of my life. 
you know, and it's not taking up a whole desk and it never is. And when I need it, I just pull it out and boom, there it is. And it's a full, you know, uh, a productivity platform. It's not like a phone where you're, you're doing so many uh, physical, you know, so much gymnastics to try and get something done on it. You know, uh, I'm in awe. I mean, I, I, I love this machine. I absolutely love it. And, and it, the portability is such a huge aspect of that. The, the finish, you know, the design, the, I mean, the, the premium materials, again, solid block of aluminum and it, and it feels, well, not, maybe not a solid block, but it's all aluminum. It feels amazing. The keyboard works very well. There's a couple of keys maybe that I'd put into different placement, but it has the full size uh, right hand shift key, which is important to me. Usually that's what laptops will sacrifice when they go down in size. This one didn't. Um, otherwise it would have been completely unusable. I almost exclusively use the right shift key. Uh, and I, I mean, it's just, it's got it all. You know, especially when, like I said, kind of when you're running Windows 10, I mean, you could throw every piece of software at it. And with UWP, you can throw a ton of mobile software uh, at it and and it just does the job. And I love it. I mean, I can set it up when I'm going to do a workout. I just put it down. I have my Bluetooth headphones. Everything plays, you know, right through, uh, you know, right from the computer. And oh, that's another thing, too. And if you don't want to use your Bluetooth headphones, say you can play actually the speakers. It has like four separate Harman Kardon speakers and they blast like the sound is very rich especially for such a small device it's amazing it'll fill your room it 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 just it does an awesome job with sound they really they did not fuck around when it came to that and and it's cool um you know and i mean you yeah it just it just does it does everything especially once you get if you hash out like another 50 bucks for a really good dongle that has you know rj45 and an hdmi and uh you know a couple usb 3.0 ports and can do pass through of powering you through USB-C. yeah i mean this 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 computer really has it all and it's just so nice to be able to you know pull it out and just toss it into your bag and not even really worry about it because the thing is just so tough and uh, they designed it that way they made they make sure you know like that this thing is, is real it's a real you know tough beast of a computer uh, so I, I love it. I just love this machine and I, I almost want to use it like exclusively. I mean, and it's amazing when you're, when you're dealing with, you know, 12.5 to 13 inch screen, uh, which this has, when you go back to a 15 inch screen, I, I just, I remember thinking like 15, inch, 15 inch screens are small. I'm looking at one right now, but it looks huge to me now because I've been using the, tw- you know, the, the 13 inch screen for so long. Um, but yeah, I can't recommend this enough. I mean, and it does. It's beating, in my in my opinion, and not just my opinion, a lot of other reviewers have said the same thing. It smokes uh, Apple at its own game. I mean, it just kills it. And, and fine, you hate Windows? Put Linux on it. And I bet, I bet Linux will work uh, because I could see where the Linux community would love to have a computer of this uh, styling uh, to, to, where, to where it could happen. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm nothing but impressed. Uh, yeah, it sucks. Sacrificing the ports is a problem. And look, if I were wanting to do a full-on you know, hyper secure, say like air gap computer, whatever. No, this is not a good idea for that. You do not, you do not want it for that. All right. Like this would not, this would not pass the, the, the sovereign tech sniff test for like, you know, a super secure uh, computing experience. But if you want something on the go that, you know, say for work where you have to use a lot of conventional and popular programs, um, it's fantastic. I mean, it it really is. It's a, it's just a beautiful little all in one machine that you can just toss and carry around and do whatever with. And it's always there and it's great. Uh, I mean, and like reading comic books on it is a dream. The screen on it, you know, again, the glare can be a problem with the real glass three, but usually it's not too much of a problem. The screen on it is remarkable. It is just a stunning, stunning, uh, little 1080p screen, uh, on there. And reading comics is just a, it's just a dream. 
uh, on it. So I, I enjoy that too. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really pleased. I might do a Patreon episode where I do like a default loadout. Like what my, I mean, people do this stuff for like life hacker and all these other sites where it's like, Oh, this is what I use. This is how I work and all that. And maybe, maybe I'll show that off uh, or do a Patreon where I describe that, like what software I use and everything. Um, you know, it, particularly maybe with that computer. So because with other computers, it's a completely different story. I mean, it's a dramatically different story than what I use. So because this thing isn't going to run open BSD or anything, but but it does the job. I mean, and it does the job like exceptionally well. I mean, this is a remarkable little machine. Uh, you know, I haven't been this impressed with the machine since like the um, Lenovo's uh, their yoga book that had the uh, the, the touch keyboard on it. Um, where, where, where it could also double as like a Wacom pad and whatever. Um, I, I haven't been that impressed since then. And man, I mean, this is really cool. So anyway, if you, if you're in, you know, for what I described, if you're in need, in need of a computer for that, uh, this is a computer where you are absolutely getting your money's, you know, you're, you're what you pay for, you're getting, you're really getting that a very premium experience for a premium price tag. That's what computers should cost. They should cost $700. I mean, there's a little bit of bloat. I'll get, all right, that was a problem, too. There was a little bit of bloat on there, but you put Revo on installer on it. Or if you're the type that just wants to throw Linux on there, you're not going to give a shit about that. Okay. Uh, but, I mean, you pay the premium, but you get a premium experience. Every you get, you get your money's worth with this computer. The Asus ZenBook 3. And there's, other, there's the ZenBook 3 Pro where, you know, they start throwing in a bunch of other stuff. I can't speak to those, but I'm sure they're just as good. Um, I've been using Asus, like, motherboards and graphics cards forever. They were you know, even like 10 years ago, I mean, they were the premier company for a lot of this stuff. Uh, You know, if you wanted to take gaming seriously and build an awesome PC, you were buying Asus products, you know, and so I'm glad that they haven't, uh, you know, dropped down in any way as far as quality. So anyway, that is it. That is it for this week. Really? That's it. (laughs) Then that is enough. Uh, If you want to become a patron, of course, go to SovereignTech.com. You get access to hundreds, hundreds of hours of uh, exclusive content and more exclusive content for Patreon. New content comes out every single week, and I've got a lot more to still come out for October, even though we only have a few days left. Um, It's it's just people that that sign up for Patreon, they love it. They love what they do. And it helps support this show and keeps everything, keeps this this wheel going around and around. So I will see you on the other side. You just experienced Sovereign Tech. Go to SovereignTech.com, that's S-O-V-R-Y-N-Tech.com, and connect with us there. Find links from today's show and catch our podcast feed. Sovereign Tech is copy heart. Copying art is an act of love, and love is not subject to law. So please, share the show however you like. Welcome to the evolution.